All right, I kind of wanted to say this before the episode. This is Sid. Um, I did a lot of mispronunciation of a lot of the alien names on this episode, and uh, please do forgive me on that. Ashley just kind of was like, well, I'm just going to let Sid, Sid keep rolling here. So that's on me. Sorry. Next episode, it won't happen. So uh, thank you very much. I'm sorry for that. Hey, Ashley. Alex Shelley's backside. Wait, wh- where am I? It's the end of the month. We haven't recorded the episode. Ah, shit! And it's Dino Fury time, too! Stupid sexy Shelly! Hi, I'm yet another closet metaphor of a male character and his disapproving dad, Sid. And I'm a medal given for lesbian sportsmanship, Ashley. And this is Ranger's Blade, where Sid, enthusiastic lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes Ashley, reluctant new fan, through the world of Power Rangers and Power Rangers accessories. Uh, this month we're tackling Dino Fury. We're finally uh, at the last team of the show. <laughs> wow, I cannot fucking believe it. It's been four years since we started this, and we finally got to the end of the actual TV series. <laughs> well, one, the TV series is still going when we started, so we didn't know how long right. this would even last. But two, damn, we actually made it this far. <laughs> yeah, I, I congrats to us, I guess. Um, congrats. So, push you through. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we're splitting this up, so we're doing the first season this month, we're gonna do the second season next month, and we're actually just due to stuff that's kind of happening in mostly Sid's life, but mine as well, because it's gonna be the holidays, everyone's gonna be busy, we're not gonna be covering uh, Cosmic Fury until around, like, March, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, uh, I think well, we're starting to watch in March, um, it's either we're, we're doing the, the episodes released in March, or we're starting to watch in March. In any case, it's it's going to be coming. We're just going to be kind of taking it easy doing comics for the like the end of the year, beginning of next year. And we're also going to take a little bit of a hiatus. Not too long. Just we're going to re-release some old episodes. You won't even notice anything's yeah. missing. <laughs> we're just going to kind of be like, hey, here's some better re-edited episodes. And when Sid was tired and full of gender dysphoria, I'm like, I hate my own voice. um but we are we are we're gonna be covering cosmic fury it's just gonna be a little later than we planned or i guess later than any of us planned because we had no idea when it was coming out we had a much later date and plan and you're like hey can we move it up the schedule and it's like the holiday is gonna be busy best time we'd be march (laughs) yeah so we had to yeah that's a compromise I, I might go ahead and watch Cosmic Fury before we actually record the episode, because it's only going to be ten episodes. But, I'm kind of interested, too, yeah. so I might end up uh, checking it out as well. Yeah, so, but yeah, be on the lookout for that. Um, that and that's also just a warning that we're only going to be covering the first half of Dino Fury for this episode. Yeah, we'll be doing the second half next month. It's been a lot of talk about the SAG and WGA strike going on, and here is kind of what's going on here. Uh, we are... We are not only a genuine review cast, we are a hobbyist podcast. There is a lot of debate on what's going on, which is reasonable of what is considered, um, what is considered advertisement. 
And quite frankly, scabbing in this instance, because they are trying to get people to say, show your love for your show and everything. Scabbing in this instance is uh, taking money from the television production company to promote the show. Uh, we don't do that. We also don't really promote anything new or and exciting about it. We just review the television series and comics. So, yeah, we fall under the genuine review guideline. And again, we, we don't take any money. So, as I've consulted with other people about this, including other labor organizers and everything, as the guidelines stand, we're, we're okay to cover this. We're not doing anything... It, wrong by covering this um that being said we are going to be looking out if they do change their guidelines and do call for an overall boycott but as of right now they just want to continue they want fans to continue to be fans show that people love the work that they do and to, to kind of show that to the studio like hey don't replace us with fucking ai look look at what it brings you you know so we're just going to keep an eye out and chase those guidelines change in the future. I understand why other podcasts have decided to not cover anything. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of them, you know, they have done work before in the past with promotion. So, you know, it's great to, you know, that, that, and some of them may have guild members. So it's like, that's understandable. But again, we're in the clear for that. Like we don't work in television. I mean, I technically do, but I work for local TV. I don't. I, I don't, I'm not a SAG member. I work at sales at a local TV yeah, station. Like, I work warehouse. <laughs> like, yeah. I drive, I drive pit equipment. <laughs> so as it stands, yeah, we don't make a whole ton of money off of the podcast. Everything that we do is through Patreon. Obviously, we we don't have any sponsors yeah. uh, that we are beholden to. Netflix has never been in contact with us about trying to promote or giving us any sort of early screeners for Power Rangers stuff. Yeah. If you do give us that shit, I'm going to turn it down. Yeah, like if like if it comes in tomorrow that they try to send us anything about Cosmic Fury, like if that happens, we're 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 not going to move any up the schedule. We're not going to cover it. Like we're not we're not going to we're not going to cover it in that case. But we are gonna keep it. But um, we are gonna keep a close eye on the guidelines, see if they change, because it might. As the strike continues, guidelines are gonna change. If that happens. Hey, we got a lot of Japanese Toku stuff to cover, so <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll temporarily become a Godzilla podcast. Yeah, it's like Godzilla's <laughs> movies; those are easy to go go down. Is what we discussed. So we'll temporarily just go into Godzilla. We still might go into Godzilla in the future, but hopefully not for this reason. Hopefully they'll get their bargaining. Yeah, so we'll we'll hope that the uh, the strike will be ending sooner rather than later, mm-hmm. uh, and that every like and that the guilds get what they want. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, uh, this is where we are. This is where we're at. We and just to clarify, we do not do this out of any sort of promotional manner. We are not in contact with Netflix or anything or like that. Or anything. We're just doing it out of our own time, and we do. Mm-hmm. We strictly just review the show and yeah. and everything. So you know. Speaking of reviewing the show, do we want to go ahead and start reviewing the first season of Dino Fury? Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about uh, what is the first season of Dino Fury. 65 million years ago, the Knights of Rafcon came to Earth in their war against the Sporex. Blessed with the powers by the Morphing Master, these knights eventually became the Dino Fury Power Rangers. However, after all this time, Red Ranger Zaito appears to be the only one still alive of both the knights and possibly Rafcon. 
After meeting Ghost Hunter Amelia and Skeptic Ollie, though, the power of Dino Fury is reborn. Joined by siblings Izzy and Javi, the Dino Fury Rangers are saving the world from the Sporex and trying to find out what happened to Rafcon. I want to kind of like start out that uh, this definitely had more aspects of serialized storytelling than previous Power Rangers. Yeah, like, we've been starting to see that a little bit more, um, especially with Beast Morphers. And obviously, I think we saw a little bit of it in a couple of Disney seasons. Yeah. Like, like I th- we, we saw a little bit of a Juggle Fury. We saw a little bit of it. I definitely saw a lot of bit of it in RPM. As was the style but at the time. Is, <laughs> as was the style at the time, yes. If, there, if there's one season of Power Rangers you could say was definitely influenced by Lost, it was freaking um, <laughs> RPM. Yeah. <laughs> but in any case, yeah, this is like the first time since we've, like, since post disney era that this is we've really gotten deep into some serialized storytelling with power rangers yeah it's uh one of the things that i think we've complained about with the prior uh you know neo saban era and everything is it definitely had it was definitely old-fashioned stuff has changed in television uh back Back when it first came out, you were you were just getting myth arc shows, like shows that had a myth arc, and while they were still ep- episodic, like, you know, there were myth arc episodes. The uh, biggest example is The X-Files, um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine is another uh, heavily myth arc. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in season, I just finished season three of that, and we're, everybody's just talking about the Dominion a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's like, you're, you're now getting into that, to the more heavy myth arc uh, of that series. So yeah, it's like, you know, it was starting to become a thing, and then, you know, Prestige Television came along, I think, more or less during the Disney era, and then you kind of saw more and more into serialized storytelling, what you see today. That was firmly when you got into the Neo Saban era, and they just were like, no, we're gonna do storytelling the old-fashioned way, because kids are stupid. <laughs> yeah, like, I just will always think back to the the toys that made us with Haim Saban, and he's, like, talked about when he bought back Power Rangers. He's like, I made it fun again! It's like, you just made it like it was in the 90s, and it's mostly sucked. <laughs> Dino Charge put aside, because that's, like, that was the actual, like, one <laughs> good super good yeah. one. <laughs> What is it I said? I, there's one that I think is okay, Samurai. One that I think is actually good, Dino Charge. And the rest of it was crap. <laughs> we still are like, which was worse, Mega Force or Ninja Steel? Right. I still say Ninja Steel because it had Colonel of Good Characters and he didn't do anything with them. Yeah, I think that's ultimately where I land on it. But then sometimes I just remember how boring Mega Force was and get mad all over again. <laughs> Mega Force is equally not great. And then when Beast Morphers came about, they kind of reintroduced storytelling. But now it's it's pretty heavily. I still say it's it's episodic, but it's it's definitely Mm -hmm. uh, carting back to that kind of old lost arc of kind of like it's an episodic show. You don't you can tune into any episode and be fine, but there's a myth arc going on that you might need to catch up with the others to find out what's really going on here. Yeah, like I watched The Matchmaker about a year before we did this episode and i was still able to generally follow along with what was happening in that episode i you know i didn't know the whole deal about um slither and what was going on with void night obviously but i was still able to follow the plot line of javi is trying to set up his sister on the date and does not get that she's a lesbian <laughs> yeah no, you're you're able, yeah it's, it's like these are you know these aren't like 
what I sometimes don't like about some serialized storytelling these days is that they want, it's almost like they just want you to binge all of it in one go. And so they Mm -hmm. leave hook after hook and you kind of can't just start anywhere. Right. Uh, And and just just like, look, my attention spans only so much, man. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, But it's, it's a story. It's, it's what I, it's one of the old kind of like, I guess a lost art, if you will. Of television mm-hmm. uh, storytelling that I, I missed, and I'm like, oh hey, it's here, and I missed it, and it's it's pretty solid, and I think also uh, modernizes the storytelling in, in Power Rangers mm-hmm. itself because, like, we kind of talked about Power Rangers kind of took two decades backwards. Yeah, this definitely puts the series into a more modern context. I think we got a good start with it in Beast Morphers, but I think we're seeing a full development of it here. And, like, with that, uh, there were some really good, like, lessons this season. I mean, Power Rangers has always kind of been a show to teach kids about stuff. And, you know, unlike Ninja Steel, which I still have grace of certain episodes with that, there were, there were a lot of, like, really good and oftentimes modern stuff. You know, there's obviously some mm-hmm. remixes of old stuff, like, don't be a dick, be yourself. But uh, some more surprising for me, uh, one, uh, they often were around Ollie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ollie got so many of, like, the, the surprising, like, lessons this season. Uh, one of my favorites was, uh, you know, on top of, like, hey, don't let down your friends and make your commitments, is, uh, don't just buy the latest thing. Like, that's something I haven't really seen in, like, a while, Especially when you're dealing with the fact that our society is so driven by consumerism, we have, like, built-in obsolescence to stuff we have. And Ollie was just like, mm-hmm. I need the latest tech, I don't care if my thing doesn't work. And it's like, hey, you need to care about the stuff you have. And then the other I actually found very surprising that dealt with his mom, because he was just so protective of her, and, it's, and everyone had to remind him, it's like, she's an adult who can make her own choice, and that is her own choice to make. Yeah. It's also the fact Ollie's mom is fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah, she's she's great. So, you know, I definitely liked that they had, you know, either a modern twist or like that or the weird MLM episode. <laughs> yeah, that one was that one was interesting. I mean, I think it had a very good moral yeah. um about it, but it was just interesting about like how Ra- Power Rangers specifically tackled that because like I don't think that they've done a particularly good job of, like, kind of covering, like, situations like that. Yeah. Especially, like, when it's somebody, an adult that you are trying to, like, when you are trusting and, insur- like, insuring your money with is not on the level. Yeah, it was, yeah, they never, it's one of those things, it's like, or they end up being good in the end or something. So this is the episode where Izzy joins that gym. It's, mm-hmm. oh, hey, she trains people and then it's just a money sink. Yeah, and I, I kind of noticed it's like, wow, the the instructor is talking like she's, you know, on stage in an MLM and be, at an MLM conference, going like, "And I made to super diamond double platinum, right?" <laughs> and, and you, can, you know, she has that cadence and speech, and she would oftentimes make Izzy like, you know, like that was the thing is like she kind of wasn't knowing what she was doing, and then also like she told every every kid like, "Oh, hey, you're the best athlete in the class." Yeah, and then even when, like, at the end, when Izzy basically, like, calls her out, she's like, well, you're actually the best athlete. Everybody else here is just, like, it's just rubes. Or she didn't say exactly like that, yeah. but that was the implication. Even then, it's like, I still think she's lying to, lying to Izzy. 
Just so that, like, yeah, she can just drag her further into her own little cult of personality. Yeah, it's one of those things that's, like, it actually taught, you know, kids, like, hey, some people are manipulative mm-hmm. for their own means, and you can't change them. Yeah. Watch, you know, watch out for those things. And I'm like, damn. The last time I can remember, like, an actual episode like that was, like, not only vaguely within the line of that. It was, like, that one, like, MMPR episode about, like, the rich girl where it was, like, clearly the girl was being racist, but they couldn't say she was being racist, so she was just being classist. Yeah. (laughs) And that was terribly handled, like... Talking, like, trying to talk about, like, you know, some people are just going to be mean for you, mean to you for no good reason. Or in terms of, like, you know, people are scamming or anything. I, f- I can only think of a handful of episodes. Most of it was misunderstandings. Or it was a monster doing it. Right. So, like, the fact that, like, she was like, this woman wasn't a monster. You know, she doesn't become, like, she doesn't learn the error of her ways at the end. Yeah. Or wasn't a whole misunderstanding. Yeah. No, she was just a horrible person getting people out of their money. Yeah. So, I yeah, I, I kind of just like the fact that, like, a Power Rangers episode particularly ended with this person getting called out and she's not suddenly like, I'm sorry, I'm t- I was terrible. Like, no, she was just like, fuck you, I'm keeping your money. <laughs> I'm keeping your money, and by the way, your gym's gonna fail. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, that was, yeah, that was some solid good writing overall with that stuff. And with that being said, uh, I feel, I'd oftentimes was like, wow, this is a better reunion season than Mega Force. Yeah, so, like, there's definitely aspects of, it's not a full reunion season, but, like, definitely you see, like, stuff from past seasons coming back, like Lord Zed and Mick. And, um, obviously you had the Morphin Masters, which we'll get into that a little bit more in a bit. There were other things that came up, but it felt like, you know, it was a better, it was a better anniversary season. It was a better, like, reunion season because they actually tied the world together and made it a part of the story. And he actually, when Mick showed up, we were like, yeah, Mick! Yeah! We missed ya! <laughs> we were so excited to see Mick. You know, it was, it was... It actually made something for fucking Ninja Steel important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made Ninja Steel important. I just think about Megaforce, especially, like, the final... Like, you got this... There was barely any cameos with the Rangers at all. Mm-hmm. Like, no touch upon. And then when you finally see most of them, it's like, there they are! Hi! <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Carter's still saving people. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... There's nothing to kind of reconnect or even kind of connect these stories to the kids. Like... It was kind of like it was kind of like the one shining thing of Mega Force was that episode with um Casey. Oh, yeah, like where you know, it did actually check in on him and like a stat like further developed like his actual storyline from the show even though like his story was his story was technically over at that point, but you still got to like it still like established who he was within that universe. Yeah, and you know, we got that with like Lord Zed. Oh, he's been reanimated and oh he's he's still Lord Zed though, and he's acting funky being under control, and then you know, they later kinda have basically it was like what like his dust was reanimated, his evil dust. Something like that. <laughs> I forget how exactly they explained it, but it went all the way back to the fact that like it was bullshit that happened when Zordon and the Z Wave hit. Yeah, it was, like, the Z-Wave hit and basically whatever evil matter was there, which also kind of ties into the 30th anniversary of trying to find Zordon. 
Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, especially, and then going back to like, even like Soul of the Dragon. Yeah. Because you know, like everything that happened with Finster and Scorpina in that particular one. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, it's tying in these things and, you know, and, you know, oh, well, now you have Lord Zed and he's out and about in the galaxy now. He escapes. So, you mm-hmm. know, you have a hook for Lord Zed to come back and it sounds like he does. And then, like, when Mick comes, like, again, it's it's more because he's like, he was like, hey, our Nexus star, like, went haywire. Right. And, you know, it was causing, uh, it was causing, like, this this issue within the water. I think it was making it boiling or something. Mm-hmm. And, or, no, it was, it, you know, it, it was like, hey, we gotta find out what it's trying to seek and what it, tr- what it wants. And so mm-hmm. you're having, like, this catch-up with Mick, him kind of getting to know Rangers, him, you know, and so you're actually, like, seeing Mick's story kind of progress as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, hey, you actually get, you know, nice cameos here where you get to find out more about these people as opposed to, hey, it's Carter. Yeah. <laughs> Say bye to Carter. I guess Corona and Kendricks are, like, sharing the pink power. They don't really go into it. This sounds like a lesbian euthanism. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and kind of just building on that, as we as we kind of hinted at previously, this is like this is definitely building out more from the like the world that's been built out of like hyperforce in the comics. Much to the dismay of everyone who keeps wanting to deny that these things are part of the canonical fabric of power rangers yeah like i'm seriously glad that we moved around our schedule to do uh beyond the grid first because mm-hmm. that was the first time a morphin master had been seen in general like we know we knew they existed like everything about everything about shattered grid obviously refers to the morphin masters but you don't actually see them in that one like you just yeah, see the emissaries see- yeah. And then you do actually meet a corrupted Morphin Master in Beyond the Grid. And now this is the first time you've actually seen the Morphin Masters on screen. And like we established yeah. the fact that, yes, these are indeed entities within the world of Power Rangers on on television. Yeah. And then like Hyperforce, like it, it expands more about kind of you know, the multiverse that really got introduced with Hyperforce, mm-hmm. the timelines, as well as, you know, more about the Morphin Grid itself. And it just it just gets because it's like these things are, I want to say this, they're more supplemental canon. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need them to enjoy the show. It just adds a little bit of a little bit of something. Right. But I, I do I guess going on a rant about the Phantom again, I do get annoyed that people are just like, well, it's not canon because it's not in the show. I don't, and be, and it's like, oh, you mean you don't like it? Yeah. It's like, yeah, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't a ship pairing. This is stuff that's actually part of the world building of the show. Like, yeah, this is something that, like, has actually been, a, like, these are things that are going back to things that have actually happened in Power Rangers. Like, we made the joke when we talked about, like, this made something from Ninja Steel important is because it did similar to uh, what happened in Hyperforce regarding Operation Overdrive. Yeah. So it's like it did, like had that similar effect. And then, like, you know, obviously Hyperforce was helped build a multiverse. I think it was the first time that we saw, like, we really saw people within, like, not really the first time, but it was definitely one of those times where it's like, it, like so much of the focus was on somebody who wasn't the Red Ranger. Yeah. 
And like, obviously, yeah, Chloe had the battleizer and all that. And then, like I said, the, you know, everything building about like, with it being a multiverse, with it being like divergent timelines that all play off of each other. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it was like, you don't have to go and watch Hyperforce or read the comics for like the appearance of the Morphin Masters to make sense, but it definitely gives a moment of like, I know their deal or, oh, I just finished reading like about your one compa- compatriot who just sacrificed himself to another dimension and went fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, 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 like I said, it adds kind of a flavor to mm-hmm. the world and you kind of like know it better. Uh, I guess it's one of those. I guess what frustrates me is, like, there are seasons y'all don't even like, and you don't decry they're not part of canon. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, as we've firmly established, I fucking hate Megaforce, and I fucking hate Ninja Steel, but, like, they're canon. It's... Like, I can't ignore the fact that they're canon, and, like, they're the fir- one of the things to first establish important things within the universe of Power Rangers, including in the mainline TV show, that there is a multiverse. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Then just steal on that. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. It's like this fandom annoys me because if they don't like something, like they just get so. Every fandom's like that. It's like no, Power Rangers fandom has always been like this. They've always chased producers and shit off of message boards. <laughs> it's like everything needs to just be this perfect thing for them. And it's like, no, like, let this stuff expand upon this universe. Let this stuff be enriched, because quite frankly, the fact that it took nearly 20 fucking years, 25 years almost, for this show to acknowledge that, yeah, you have so many Power Ranger teams, if you put them in one congruent timeline, it would not make fucking sense. Right. None of it would make sense. To finally have a kind of multiversal aspect to it, it it is like wow, this thing actually clicks and makes sense. And you, what, what? Because you don't like RPG shows and comics, yeah. You think the comics are badly written? Motherfucker, Megaforce was badly written. <laughs> like, yeah. What are we doing here? You know, you don't have to like everything just because you know you don't have to like everything, but at the same time. Like, don't be a fucking piss baby about it. Not even a canon purist and this stuff makes me mad. Seriously. Alright, well, let's move on to talking about, like, the actual Rangers and a little bit more about the show. So let's start with our- good shit. Yeah, (laughs) the good shit. So yeah, let's talk- start with our red power- uh, our red Dino Fury Ranger, Zato. Uh, Uh, You- you definitely (laughs) pointed this out about him, because you are, like, the number one Andrus hater- if 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 nobody hates Andros, assume Ashley is dead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Andros has a million haters, I am one of them. If Andros has ten haters, I am one of them. If Andros has one hater, I am her. If he has no haters, I have left this earth. <laughs> any in any case, so yeah, Zato for me, he's like, what if Andros was well written? Because obviously he has the whole like tragic backstory of coming from a planet that could possibly be destroyed uh that he left 65 million years ago uh specifically rafcon and uh he's but on 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 top of just dealing with the kind of that he's also just kind of the older and wiser ranger yeah and he's very magnanimous about like 
the kind of power he has and te- like kind of taking the rest of the team under his wing versus like Andros, who's just like, Corona, I don't know where you are. I'm so sad. It's like, and you know, I get, it's one of those things. It's like Andros could have been written to where like, that is a part of his character, but it's like having him warm up, I think better throughout the story would have been a better idea for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are episodes where he does. I'm not going to, like, Andrus doesn't have, like, stunted development, but it just, like, that needed to be there more. That needed to be there more of, like, Andros feels like shit that his team's dead, basically. His best friend's frozen, that his sister is kidnapped. And you have, like, Zeta, who's kind of, he's, He's in a similar situation, but, you know, he know it's one of those things, like, you see him kind of grow to get used to the team. He grows to get used to being around humans. I think they have more out of fish, out of fish, out of water stories with him. Unlike with Andros, I think they have, like, one story with him where, like, where he trusts uh, a, like, carjacking game. (laughs) Right. And then those carjackers uh, get get honest jobs at the end, as we talked about earlier. But, yeah, you know, I only had, like, one story of that with really Andrus, where it was, like, Zeta is just, like, a constant thing of him trying to figure out human culture when it's pushed uh, up against his Rathconian upbringing. And, you know, he's... And he's made mistakes. I really like, you know, because he's very reserved, and you're kind of, like, wondering, like, why he's so reserved and doesn't really come into play until um ion shows up and and points because he was a former team member and points out like zeta was the one that basically gave the okay for the sporex to happen oh yeah and like that comes a whole lesson about like sometimes you're kind of just having to go with like who you trust and sometimes it doesn't work out yeah because like making decisions like that is very hard yeah and they're basically like Hey, all of our scientists said this was okay. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. And I could I could go into an anarchist rant here. Uh, <laughs> about systems, but I won't. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's that. There's also the fact that it's like what it means to be a leader. And sometimes that, yeah, you're going to make the most fucked up bl- blunders. You're yep. going to get your team killed, possibly your planet killed, you know. Nothing on that level, obviously, for a normal human. But, you know, there's there's that whole thing. You are going to make mistakes, and sometimes those mistakes are going to have dire consequences. I really like that him and uh, Aeon weren't really, like, they had to redevelop their friendship because of what happened. Yeah. And also just the fact I'm just dying that this happened again in Power Rangers. He's just going to meet up with, like, Dr. K. Yeah. Doctor, yeah, Dr. K is just going to be waiting somewhere in, like, the power and Nathan, uh, yeah, yeah, Nate and like, yeah, Nate and <laughs> Doctor K are just gonna be somewhere in the Nexus, just being like, "Hey, we heard you accidentally may have gotten your planet killed because of a decision you <laughs> made. Here's some tea. Let's we we meet like every other week." Yeah, <laughs> I really like this. I really, I really like that this has become a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, no, it, it's very I. Yeah, it was very interesting and in how they played with that. But also, like, yeah, it hurt his relationships with other people. Um, you know, he had to mend them again, stuff like that. Uh, but like I said, he's older and wiser. You know, he's definitely that secondary mentor. 
Um, and he's he's definitely there for the Rangers, and because the Rangers are for the most part young adults, with the exception of Izzy. Right. He's the only one who is uh, a teenager still, basically. And so, you know, they're fumbling about, like you do when you're in your 20s. Right. And, you know, he's there to offer guidance, even up to, I really liked the episode where, like, it was the Be Yourself episode where, like, Pop Pop, Amelia's, like, grandfather guardian, uh, you know, uh, strikes up kind of a romance with the, uh, with the museum curator, and he's like, well, I gotta impress her, so Amelia basically, you know, Zaido's like, hey, why don't you just tell him to be himself that's probably why she liked him in the first place and she's like no no it's fine and you know the date goes horribly when you know you follow amelia's advice of like trying to impress her with all sorts of stuff and zato just finally goes like hey this was a body switch episode so he's in amelia's body and he's Mm -hmm. like hey you should just try being yourself because i think that's probably what she liked about you in the first place right and it was a success and so, you know, he's he's doing those things. And he also kind of calls out, you know, his fellow Rafconians. I really love that delivery. Like, oh, he's not going to call the Zord. <laughs> he just called the Zord. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> definitely times where Zato just has, like, such, like, this dry sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say Rafconians do have a dry sense of humor. Because it's just, it's, it, both him and Aeon both have that very dry wit. And puns. They all love puns. Yep. And, you know, I wanted to give out a shout out to the actor, like, Russell Curry really did a great job with playing Zato, like, learning more how to blend in with humans, but still being Rafconian. Because, like, Zato, when he starts out, you know, there's obviously the, like, oh, there's a new team here, and I got my last one killed. <laughs> you know, like, stuff to go in there. But he, you know, he was still, like, you know, he was a very alien alien, you know? Like, oh, yeah. You know, definitely didn't know how to interact with people and stuff like that. But, you know, the little touches as the series goes on, he kind of, he's still Rathconian, but he, he, you know, he's still, he also kind of, you know, learns how to kind of blend in with the team. Mm-hmm. And it's it was kind of interesting to kind of see that actor study go. It's like, oh, for sure. Uh, uh, our final thing is he's an autistic mood, like most aliens. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I feel like they did a really good job kind of balancing that, where he's, like, trying to understand, like, Earth customs um but like and he's kind of chill about it and like yeah and it's just like this is confusing i mean i think he's like yes this is kind of confusing but like i think once you explain it to him he's like oh oh okay okay (laughs) it's like i just Uh, i just enjoy zato he's just so he's like just a very calming presence yeah that's another thing he's just like a lot of red rangers are very like i don't want to say hot but like they're fiery they're yeah they're very intense in a way and, you know, here's Zeno, he's just cool and just kind of like a very calming presence to the rest of the, for the rest of the team and, and just for the show in general. It's a, it was a kind of a nice mix up to see that as a leader instead of like, yes, this person knows how to be a leader, but also they're charged head first in the battle and try to shoot things. Yeah. And like, maybe it's the age thing. <laughs> yeah. He is 65 million years old. He is 65 million years old and probably froze at the age of like 25. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he feels like he is a little older, you know, not just the millions of years, but he still feels like he's a little bit older and learned, more learned than the rest of the group. Yeah. Speaking of the rest of the group, I kind of, I kind of feel like our next character is like kind of one of the main characters of the show. Oh, for sure. Especially if like, what I vaguely know about like the next two seasons. <laughs> like, yes, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, 
So we're, we're talking now about Amelia Jones, who is our pink Dino Fury Ranger, who is a Bugara to the core. Like, like, <laughs> we'll kind of get, I guess, more into this when we kind of headway to Ollie, but we're like, wow, she is, she is a ghost hunter working for Buzz Blast, huh? Yeah, I'm like, I, I, I literally ran this by a friend of mine who does not watch Power Rangers. Like, I tell him about it. He has no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. And I just said, okay, we're watching this new season of, of Power Rangers. And I should note, he does watch Watcher and Ghost Files. It's like, okay, so we're watching this new season of Power Rangers. And the main char- one of the main characters, she works for a BuzzFeed equivalent. And she's a ghost hunter who super believes in ghosts. And he's like, yeah, that's way too specific. <laughs> She's also the short one of the duo. Yeah, so I'm just like, if it was one of those things independently of each other, like if she was just a BuzzFeed reporter or she was just a skeptic or ghost hunter, I would make the joke of like, haha, she's like Ryan. But the fact that like those two combined, <laughs> it's too specific not to be an inspiration, you know? Yeah, I'm like, somebody really loves BuzzFeed Unsolved and probably watches a lot of the Watcher content. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to you, person, if you're listening to us. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I just that just cracks me up that she's just basically, like, I just, I'm just now imagining her throwing into situations with, like, a super soaker full of holy water. <laughs> Don't try it, demon! <laughs> Don't try it, demon! And just hit Slyther instead. <laughs> Does holy water work on Power Rangers monsters? We should find that out. Yeah, this this is a clear discussion that we need to have sometime. <laughs> um, uh, like other pink rangers before her, uh, she's really kind of the heart and soul of the team. Oh, yeah. So, like, all, yeah. So, Amelia, she's kind of ends up kind of becoming the second in command. But, yeah, she's definitely the heart and soul of the team. Like, she's very outgoing and friendly kind of headstrong in her own way i feel like she was kind of the first one to really welcome like zydo yeah like she's just like okay this is cool yeah like let's like let's get to know each other let's be friends you know she's she's welcoming to the other team members um she's kind of like the she's at at times the moral barometer it felt like Mm -hmm. you know where we should go with stuff yeah, you, know, you, you have um, also her own follies. Like, she gets so into ghost hunting. Instead of doing something she needs to do, she steals the keys that her pop-pop left to go check out this ghost he was talking about. Turns out it was just, you know, a monster. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she accidentally leaves, him, leaves it there, and so he gets he ends up, like, possibly being in trouble for it. You yeah, know? and, like, I did love kind of, like, the resolution there with like when she talked to pop pop when she was the pink ranger they had that whole talk about like he's just like he's just trying his best to make sure that uh, like amelia's safe yeah and the fact that like that's when you find out oh her parents have been missing and pop pop is her only like her only current surviving family yeah so he's like so he's very protective of her and it's like she kind of like i think she like it's one of those moments where she kind of just is just like Oh, I I need to be, be more appreciative of what Pop Pop's trying to do for me. Yeah. Typical young adult stuff. I love it. Yeah. And then, like, oh, God, I was something else I wanted to. Oh, yeah. And then also the fact, like, the episode where, like, she's trying to help Pop Pop with his date. And, like, that yeah. we just talked about. And I think it's, it is coming from a fact that, like, 
she just wants good things for for her pop pop because she loves him very much and you know wants to see him happy yeah and then they even talk about that and she was like i you know i didn't realize that being yourself was what's important i just wanted this to be good like uh, you know i wanted this to to be perfect for you you know and i think we've all been in that situation with somebody we like and and care for in our lives so you know she she could be shown to be headstrong almost to a stubborn degree Mm -hmm. uh she still hunts ghosts (laughs) 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 you know she has not been lucky with that she still hunts ghosts but uh you know there's still the kind of that kind genuine person there that you know again welcomes people to the team and a lot of kind of her ingenuity and everything does help her kind of go to second command which is kind of cool oh yeah for me because it's like girl rangers never get to be second command (laughs) yeah like as we've established throughout so much of power rangers the girl ranger that is on the team who's clearly the like the one who should be in charge never gets to be in charge close uh, like jen obviously but like jen, yeah jen's jen and like wes's whole thing is like wes is kind of the nco everyone follows uh-huh and jen's the lieutenant who just gets the orders right so you know that's kind of that relationship there yeah or um, going back to jungle fury not jungle fury wild force sorry <laughs> Well, of course, it was just plain awful. Yeah. What the fuck, Princess <laughs> Well, yeah. She also stole her vest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because Taylor is clearly, like, the one who should be in charge. And then it's like, well, the Red Lion chose, like, Cole, so... <laughs> so, you know, we're just gonna go with this hippie mumbo jumbo here. It's like, man, whatever. <laughs> It's like, I'm sorry, you, uh, with this, like, I know you're angry, Taylor, but you're ruining my peak hour consciousness. (laughs) Seriously, yeah, so, like, I feel like Amelia is definitely, I can, so, where Amelia is in this season, I can definitely see the path taking her to where she's gonna be the Red Ranger in Cosmic Fury. Yeah, and with Sado, I definitely see the path of him becoming mentor. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, he's he's pretty much already there as kind of the ranger mentor type. He, he still needs to be on the battlefield. Yeah, for sure. So, so with these plot threads, I'm, I can't wait to see kind of Amelia develop more as we continue to watch it. Oh, um, yeah. Kind of a, a small thing is the other bit of the whole, like, she is, she definitely seems like an homage to Ryan. <laughs> Is she butts heads with the skeptic on the team that she actually meets through ghost hunting and he's like, ghosts aren't real, which is Ollie. Yeah. Like, that tends to be a lot of their, I don't, they don't have, like, an adversarial relationship. Like, they clearly, like, enjoy being friends with each other. Like, I kind of get a vibe that they, I don't know if they're necessarily hinting at anything romantic or if I'm just so, like, poisoned by years of Power Rangers. I'm I'm in a similar position. Yeah. Could be right, could be wrong. I don't know. Definitely, like, her and Ollie tend to, like, be the duo that butt heads with each other a lot. But they still clearly like being friends with each other. Yeah. Um, It's just that, like, Ollie is kind of just a little bit of an asshole skeptic sometimes. (laughs) He's also lanky and tall. Interesting. Hmm. Yes. Yes, about that. And it's like, (laughs) I can just see them getting into, like, hour-long debates about how is it that Ollie doesn't believe in ghosts when they fight, like monsters all the time <laughs> and ollie would just reply well they're made of meat and bone <laughs> you know i actually see them they're made of meat and bone yeah 
Which let, let's start on our our local Shaniac Aliakana. It was our Blue Dino Fury Ranger. Uh, like we mentioned, he is definitely. It definitely feels like with all these elements combined, you know. And he also works for Buzz Black. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh oh this is this is this is shame a day. <laughs> For sure. When I saw, like, the description of Dino Fury, like, a year ago, or a year or two ago, and they said, Amelia's a ghost hunter, and Ollie's a skeptic, I'm like, okay, like, Ryan and Shane, and then we watch this series, and it's like, oh, definitely like Ryan and Shane. <laughs> Shane. <laughs> an homage to, and that's, you know, again, that's kind of hip, I guess. I feel like this might have been Shane, and <laughs> Shane was, like, 21. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this insufferable guy, because... The biggest thing about Ollie is he's kind of an asshole. I actually like that they actually made, like, a character, like, he is a good person, but he's gotta get better at being a good person. Yeah, because, like, so many, as we've kind of mentioned, like, a lot of his plots and episodes that are focused on him are just kind of revolve around be a nicer person. Yeah. Or even, like, stuff, like, when they ask him to do stuff, he gets weird about it. Like, yeah. uh, when Izzy's having this whole thing about trying to learn mechanics, and she's having this roadblock with it, and she's like, yeah, I can't fucking do this. I read it. She doesn't say fucking. But she's like, I read the manual and everything. It just doesn't click. And um, Sloane is like, hey, Ollie, why don't you, you know, take her through this? And Ollie's like, I don't know. She says she doesn't get it. So obviously she's stupid about it and got her friends, for, like, fell asleep. I'm like, right in earshot of Izzy, too. Oh, yeah. Like, real, real <laughs> dickhead move by him, honestly. And Sloan ends up putting out, like, maybe she just learns stuff differently. Mm-hmm. Maybe she needs to have a more... Hands-on, like... Hands-on. I forget the actual... Kinesthetic learning. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. She's more of a kinesthetic learner, so, you know, talk her through this and really go through it. And they go through this whole montage, and he's actually really getting into teaching her. Yeah, it's... He's like, oh, she's not an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really nice moment, and, like, it pays off in the end because Amelia figures... Not Amelia. Izzy figures it out. He ends up, like, she's, like, the only one left that that can deal with the bomb sleep thing yeah it's not gonna actually explode it's gonna make everyone asleep yeah and then like i i was i really like the it was the halloween episode if i remember right and they're trying to like the team is trying to figure out what scares ollie because he is kind of being like the asshole skeptic of like oh like i you know i don't believe in ghosts or anything like that and monsters don't scare me it ends up being a very like very human moment at the end he's like i realized i was scared of losing my friends that was the scary moment for him, was like, oh, fuck, my friends. My friends are in danger, danger, and they could, you know, they could die. And that scared the shit out of him, and he talked about it. Also, it was a very good Halloween episode, because it wasn't just a weird clip show, it actually had a story. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just, yeah, as an aside, I just love the fact that they did actually have, like, a, a proper Halloween special episode this year, and the, the Christmas clip show actually kind of nice <laughs> yeah it was actually memorable and kind of heartwarming we yeah can get into that when we get into hobby yeah but yeah i like those things were nice i often think like kind of stuff this is another thing i like about the show is they don't spoon feed you all the information they're mm-hmm. actually letting kids kind of a, like maybe catch clues of stuff it's obviously not 
the level of watching something that's going to have more of an adult mind to it. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that's kind of hinted at is it's just him and his mom. Yeah, so he has a whole bunch of anxiety around his mom and basically something happened bad happening to her yeah and you know that can that ties into losing his friends mm-hmm. you know it's like i can't lose the people around me so it's kind of hinted at that you know his dad might have died yeah <laughs> you know he's a young adult he really hasn't gotten over that and that really kind of ties into again kind of the asshole thing and everything at the end of the series it's like we need your mom's help on this stuff mm-hmm. you know she's an archaeologist and she knows all this and just has anxiety about it. It's like, what did she, she'll put herself in danger. Da, da, da. And Sato has to remind him. Remind him. And then later his mom has to remind him. I, you know, she is her own person and that is her decision to make. Mm-hmm. Kind of want to see again where like, is he going to end up being a better person? <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't wait to see what happens with Ollie. Yeah. Um, in terms of these little character tidbits and development. So... We become less of a dick. Yeah. We also have less ADHD. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my god. He's like, like, he definitely does give ADHD vibes, especially in the episode with the, the laptop. Yeah, he's just so focused on new tech and and doing stuff that he, like, you know, fucks up Javi's interview. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, also shields his mom again. Like, oh, my, my mom's really super busy. She probably couldn't make time to talk to you. Right. It's like, and meanwhile, like, his mom would have totally been fucking into it as we find out at the end of the show. I was like, hell yeah, I'll go talk to you about this. It's like, yeah, so, like, maybe trust your mom a little bit more, bro. Yeah, like, maybe he just doesn't trust to, to meet Javi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're too much of a himbo for my mom. <laughs> But also a little AU ADHD, because, you know, there's that whole thing of, like, sometimes his, you know, uh, he's not a total Sheldon with empathy, but he does sometimes kind of turn off the empathy bit. hmm You know, and that can just sometimes happen, because you're just, like, you just can't put yourself in somebody's shoes, and your just mouth goes off the handle and says, like, well, you're fucking stupid and can't figure this shit out. Right. And, yeah, kind of as Blue Ranger tradition, he's the brain tech guy. Yeah. Yeah, and like I okay, one of the episodes surrounding Ollie, I was kind of expecting it to be a uh, Herber Thomas Edison was a witch episode. It was the tech episode. It's like, oh man, why do you always get the new tech? Yeah, no, well, it necessarily isn't necessarily that. It's that everybody was going hiking, and oh, like, that one. yeah, and he was like trying to like he's had all this like tech on him instead of just you know being with nature. And it turns out, like, Ollie's love of tech ends up saving the day. <laughs> it's like, sometimes you need a little tech with you. Yeah. Technically, yeah. No, we were like, oh, no, it's going to be become one with danger, Urbaner, Thomas Edison's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> tech scare me. And it's like, no, it, you know, it's more of like, yeah, appreciate your surroundings. But hey, you know, we have technology for a reason sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it is to kind of make your life better. So, all right, and then I guess we'll move on to our uh, Black Dino Fury Ranger, who is Javier Javi Garcia. We don't know if he's broad of chest enough to be a full himbo, but he's definitely pure of heart, dumb of ass. Yeah, he's definitely on that scale. Uh, You know, it's uh, no brain, all art. (laughs) Yeah, he's just, he's just vibing. Yeah, he's vibing. He's just, he's just a little music twink, just like vibing. And trying to make music and hanging out. <laughs> yeah. 
kind of with the the pure of heart dumb of ass thing uh when we were talking about the christmas uh clip show and special is he talks about being bad at gifts mm-hmm. and the whole clip show because they're he and sloan are trying to find a bomb right you know he kind of gets to know like one of the things he finds out is one sloan wants to sing stuff but it's like oh i can't remember the words so right. that kind of but, you know, they go, it's like, well, they're hidden in the gifts. So they go through everyone's gifts. And they kind of guess who each person is. And, you know, through going that, it's like, he kind of gets, it's like, oh, this was given because this is what they thought, you know, they knew, like, they would love this gag. Or that was something special from the heart, like, with um, Zeta giving um, Aeon, like, this ice cream because Aeon loved ice cream but it was like a Rafconian flavor of ice cream yeah or I think it was Ollie uh, no was it I know between Amelia and Ollie it was the poncho that Ollie was wearing when Amelia met him but with ghost eyes yeah (laughs) Izzy got stuff that was from kind of like the first you know during like the gym episodes and stuff kind of got stuff for her gym and kind of a reminder where she came from yeah and so Javi finally put together, and then when, when, cause he was missing a key from his keyboard, mm-hmm. and Sloane made him a key. And he just kind of realized, oh, I gotta give something from the heart and something I know they would like. And he ends up giving her the Christmas Carol book. Yeah, which is so sweet. Yeah. And then, so along with him being a musician, so, so much of his like, backstory is that he wants to be a musician he wants to like he he likes to like mess around with different instruments but his dad doesn't approve another closet metaphor oh my god i'm just like power rangers is getting so good at this like we really we keep threatening that we're gonna do like either go on george like george's like youtube channel or we're gonna do an special episode for this podcast where we just a panel (laughs) or a panel where we just talk about like all of the talk about and rank all of the closet metaphors within power rangers and it's also like kind of like also not accepting your gay son like he's already kind of out of the closet but like i'm still not accepting you yeah like i We'll talk about this a little bit when we get to Carlos, but I just hated the episode with not it was a good episode, but like I just hated the whole bit with the fucking keytar because like his son bought that with his own money that he earned at his job. At his job, and his dad is still like, You wasted your money. I'm taking this away from you and returning it. It's like, damn, bro. It's like, okay, abusive behavior much. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, it's kind of a little abusive there, bro. Yep. One of the things is, is he is his stepsister. Carlos is Javi's dad. Carlos married Izzy's mom. Yeah. We'll see Izzy's mom, I think, next season. Yes, there is an episode next season with Izzy's mom. So, I I do like that they, you know, have that kind of mixture of family there that, you know, you just don't see, like, you know, blood, blood siblings. It's like, no, he treats Izzy like his actual sister. Yeah, and yeah. like... That's a thing that we haven't really seen in Power Rangers to this point. Because, like, we so very rarely see rangers with their own families that we've never really seen a ranger with a blended family like this one. Yeah. Where like, it's, like, a stepmom, stepdad situation, or like, you have step-siblings. Which I would say, like, you still don't see a whole ton of that in media. Like, I just remember when Phineas and Ferb happened. It was a big deal, the fact that, like, the show revolves around a blended family. Yeah. 
it was just like that's a completely normal thing in society is that you know you have people who like they when they marry each other like they are coming from other families and like so you'll have step siblings that like are integrated into the family with each other or um you have you know step parents that have been there with their kids more probably than their own birth parents yeah and are you're just like yeah you have a you know step family you have half siblings yeah. that come into play and you know i work with people that have you know blended families and stuff like that it's very common and um yeah, it was, it was like, wow, this is actually kind of nice. It's kind of heartened back, I felt like, when Kimberly, you know, when Kimberly talks about having a divorced family. Yeah, it's like, I was, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, have we actually talked about, di- like, divorce in general on Power Rangers since MMPR? I feel like it, it's, like, mostly it feels like uh, one parent is dead. <laughs> yeah, it's like either one parent is dead or they have parents, they're just off screen and you never meet them. Or, yeah, it's that sort of thing. And with the pure of heart dumb of ass, let's talk about how he basically uh, saw, you know, Izzy, uh, you know, was like, oh, man, she's changed. She's like wearing her hair up and she's looking a little cuter than normal and completely misses Izzy just going up to to Fern and be like, hey, what are you doing? You know, kind of flirting, kind of like teenagers flirt. Yeah. And just then zooms in on what, like, wait, what was his name? Like, Anthony or something? Yeah, it's like, so one of the other guys that's in Fern's, like, training class and, like, had gone to the same manipulative gym leader. He just, he just looks over and they're just training. Yeah. Like, they're clearly (laughs) friendly with each other. They're friends. But, like. Yeah, but it's clearly just, like, nothing's really there. They're just having friendly competition. He's like, oh, he's. She's definitely into him. He goes up to this guy and was like, my sister, di- I think my sister digs you and I should set you up. And he's like, I don't really think of Izzy that way. <laughs> Do it, bro. <laughs> you know, he's not listening to his feelings on the matter. He's not even asking Izzy what's up. You know, ends up wrecking her, da- Izzy's date with Fern. It's like, yeah. It, even then, it's like, Fern is trying to, like, lay on the hint that, hey, I'm on a date with your sister. <laughs> Izzy, too. Like, I'm on a date here. Yeah. And, like, he's just not getting it. Like, she even says, like, I don't, like, Fern just is, like, says, oh, I don't date boys. And, like, Javi is just so stupid. Like, he's very chill with the fact that she's gay. But it's just, like, oh, well, I'm I'm not asking you out. I'm just asking if, like. You know, uh, like, I'm trying to set up my sister here. Can you leave? <laughs> yeah, I like, like, and then Fern obviously says, like, oh, okay, like, obviously thinks that's true, because, like, Javi's Izzy's brother. Yeah. You know, because it, it was the whole thing of, like, Javi's, you know, talking about all this stuff, and Fern was like, hey, I, I, are you trying to hit on me? Because I'm not in the Yeah. <laughs> and I just, again, I just love, like, Javi is that like much of a golden retriever (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't even pick up any of these yeah or that fern was upset like he's like i think he's just like oh you're a lesbian that's so cool (laughs) (laughs) you're a lesbian (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's just oh i i love that episode i mean we'll we'll get more into that like later in a bit because i'm we're going to talk about izzy and we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of um how this particular season handles queerness but like yeah. <laughs> i 
just love Javi just being that much of a dumbass that he just is not picking up on anything obvious here. And I love the lesson in it is like, don't just rush into things and make people do stuff because you think they might be into each other. You know, yeah. like, actually talk to people and find out what's going on because it's like, he didn't, he didn't listen to Anthony. Anthony's like, I'm not into your sister. <laughs> he didn't go up to Izzy and basically like, hey, like, what's up? Like, you, you definitely, uh, are you into somebody? Like, he didn't really ask about that. Like, you can tell me, it's fine. You know, I'm your, I'm your dumb brother, and, like, he didn't pick, anyway, when he's at the da- date, he didn't pick up that, like, yeah, you were there uninvited. Like, Izzy even flat out, like, I was gonna go to this taco stand with, with Fern. Yeah. Oh, cool, can I tag along? Yeah, alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's trying. God bless him. <laughs> yeah, so... And also, the other thing is, uh, you're on your heterosexual nonsense. Oh, yeah, like, I'm just, I'm just, again, thinking back to BuzzFeed Unsolved, with the, um, I think it was the Seven Day Bride episode, where, like, yeah. when, like, when Ryan does that reveal of the two guys actually being the, being the lovers, and Shane just goes, I was on some heteronormative bullshit! <laughs> Going back, I kept, just to decide, I kept making jokes about Ollie being on Goatman's bridge, because he seems like he would do that. Oh, yeah. Dancing on your bridge, bridge Goatman! Man. This is Ollie's bridge now! And of course, being Power Rangers, you just know as soon as he says that, like, some sort of goat monster comes out of the woods. <laughs> Robo-goat does. Robo-goat returns! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Dancing on your bridge, Robo Goat. Fuck. Okay. Um, Let's talk about some gays. Yes. So let's move on to our green Dino Fury Ranger. The first woman to ever be a green ranger is Izzy Garcia. And man, is she a sports gay. (laughs) I'm just going to harken back to when we first saw Izzy. Mm This was first announced. We didn't know that she was going to be gay. Because she's our first, like, show gay ranger yeah mm-hmm. no like oh we tried to or anything no she they they did and mm-hmm. we you just made a joke using mm-hmm. a gif saying that girl is a lesbian yeah because it was specifically the the bit in like when in the, ep- the episode she first appears and she gets her dino fury powers and they put a skirt on her and they had her tear her skirt off because she's like, I'm not really into these. Um, and, and obviously it's like, it, I love that moment because it's a great way to one bridge the um, bridge, the footage yeah. because the green Rio soldier and that is a man, mm-hmm. which obviously this has happened in power Rangers before we've talked about this before. It's been a while since they, they did the gender swap. <laughs> yeah. So like, I like, so I, one, I like that as a way to kind of bridge the gap between the footage and kind of, like, explain away why she's not going to be wearing a skirt the same way Amelia is. Yeah. But also, it's just such a little great character beat of just establish, like, in those, like, moments, like, those first few moments of Izzy being a Power Ranger, you know immediately who she is. Yeah, and there's this whole thing about her thing, oh, she's, uh, you know, in sports and all stuff. But I just remember that one nerd getting mad at you and saying, no, she isn't. You can't tell just by this. Yeah. And like, I was right. (laughs) She is a lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) 
I like as soon as it came out, she was like, ha ha, nerd, how are you feeling now? Yeah, it's like that moment from fucking like Brooklyn Nine-Nine of like Captain Hulk going, vindication! That was very much you. <laughs> oh my god, it was just, yeah, because like, <laughs> so you made the joke when like she first introduced, because like, we knew she was an athlete, but they, I think we hadn't realized she was specifically in track and field. Yeah. And you were just like, oh my god, that track. So, like, everyone, every girl I knew that was in track and field was gay as hell. Yeah, like, it's like, it's it's either, it's either softball, the softball team or track and field. Yeah. No, I, that absolutely tracks. Um, <laughs> no. Which, I was like, that's for me, because I, in my head, Izzy is the type that, like, whenever she would encounter, like, another track and field athlete who's being, like, a turf and is, eh, this trans woman on the competing team is why I didn't lost my scholarship. And she, I feel like Izzy would just be the type that goes like, sounds like a skill issue. <laughs> <laughs> you came in eighth. The yeah. trans person came in like seventh. Yeah. I came in first, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get good, sucker. <laughs> yeah. She, she never was like, get, get good. Sounds like a skill issue. Yeah. That's definitely like, that's Izzy's personality to me. It's just like, it's like yeah yes she's humble enough to be a power ranger but i feel like in certain cases she's not afraid to just be a little bit of an asshole sounds like a skill issue but, you know as pointing pointed out she's nearly high school she's very much you know um she's she's i think closer to butch than than futch yeah but you know she's definitely that kind of tomboyish butch high schooler you know Probably also play softball. <laughs> Let's be real. Oh, yeah. Like, she plays softball in the spring and track and field in the fall. Yeah. Um, I, and it's kind of shown that she, she's smart in school. She normally aces her subjects. She She's definitely someone who tries to achieve, too, because, you know, she wants to be the best in everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I really like I like that. She's, she's this very driven, wants to be the best, and... But when she struggles, I notice it's a frustration and, like, a sense of, like, disappointment in herself. Yeah, so, um, especially that comes a lot in the episode where she was struggling with the her mechanics class. Yeah. Or electronics class, but still it was a mechanical issue that she couldn't figure out the circuitry, even though she's been trying for, like, a year. Yeah, and everyone was helping her out, like, oh, well, we can help you out. And she's like, no, no, I got it. I can ace this. And then it's like, oops. <laughs> And then she later aced it because she, you know, learned kinesthetically. Yeah, yeah, and Ollie actually sat down and helped her. Yeah, Ollie. Uh, but, you know, I, I she feels like an actual fucking teenager. Oh, for sure. I know I've said that before about other teens, but they definitely kind of have this very much, she's very much like, I want to be driven, I want to be the best person in sports so i can you know get a career in it and you know good go to a good college and stuff like that like she's so driven but there's times where you know yeah she acts like a teenager yeah um let's talk about i don't we didn't realize that uh she was a rival to lovers with fur yes that whole episode was good by the way yeah like the first episode where fern is introduced like Okay, so at this point, we're not going to be talking about Fern separately, really, just because, like, so far, everything that we've seen of her, it's just sort of attached to Izzy. Yeah. So, but knowing what's coming up, we'll definitely be talking a little bit more about Fern. Um, 
as a separate character in future episodes. But, uh, yeah, so the first episode where Fern is introduced, it's, like, established that they are, like, rivals in track and field. And, like, like the first time you see Fern, she's, like, glaring at Izzy, and Izzy's glaring right back, because they want to, like, defeat each other at, like, this, well, not defeat, but, like, you know, they both want to win this particular race. So, I mean, and since the ultimate moral of that episode is, like, sometimes there's things that are more important than winning, is that um, when Fern twists her ankle while they're out on a run, on, on that run, uh, Izzy basically gives up her lead in order to help Fern and get her medical attention. Yeah. And uh, that kind of begins them, like being like actually friends with each other and then by the end of the first season they're actually dating <laughs> yeah that episode is also we'll get into this in a bit when we talk about lily and mm-hmm. uh, honorable mentions yeah i'm talk touch on this episode a little bit more but lily gives izzy her her medal for, <gasps> for sportsmanship and you started cackling <gasps> explained last episode um so you can just go back and listen to that and you can explain it but like as so just as as the the uh, short summary is that there's a running joke in women's soccer fandom and women's sports fandom in general about sportsmanship and players who are actually together specifically women <laughs> This this came from some hetero. Yeah, so this came. Like, yeah, look look at look at the look at them showing good sportsmanship. I mean, <laughs> yes, like Christy Muez was showing good sportsmanship at the time by comforting her girlfriend who had just lost like the the bronze medal at the Olympics. But also, <laughs> <laughs> that's not sportsmanship. It's like that's also not just sportsmanship. That is actually them being gay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's people just wanted to dismiss it because like they thought like it was just people in women's soccer fandom being having a conspiracy theory about these two being together but also if you just actually read their instagram comments to each other they were clearly clearly flirting with each other and then they came out and like yeah we're together and it's like bitch we knew yeah like <laughs> I still remember the one comment that Sam Kerr left on one of Christie's posts where she was showing off her K Mewis jersey. Uh, because, so the reason her back of her jersey says K Mewis instead of Mewis is because her sister, Sam Mewis, is also on the U.S. Women's National Team. So hers would always say, you say S Mewis. And so, like, she put on, so it says on the back of her jersey, K Mewis, and like, Sam just, co- Sam Kerr. I, I know it's confusing, but follow along with me. Sam Kerr, her girlfriend, comments, K dot want you. <laughs> <laughs> and people are just like, oh, they're in a cl- like, like women's soccer fandom is clearly just being, having conspiracies here. They're not dating. <laughs> if they weren't dating at the time, they were definitely showing interest in each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, that was public. <laughs> <laughs> they were publicly showing interest in each other. Yeah, so like... So yeah, basically when like Lily's like, "Here, it's a medal for sportsmanship." I just like I lost my mind because again, Izzy was showing actual good sportsmanship in that moment because yes, that is objectively a good sportsman thing to do is to give up your lead in order to help somebody else and, you know, not worry about winning. Like objectively, yes, that is what a good like somebody with good sportsmanship does. But also <laughs> 
You had to remind me of this meme too. I'm like, why are you laughing? The meme. Oh my god. It's like they gave the sportsmanship level to the lesbian. And like this was like six months before the Olympics, so like it just retroactively ended up being true. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Clearly we need a meme for Izzy and Fern that's a sportsmanship. Yes, exactly. Look at him showing good sportsmanship there. Yep, showing such good sportsmanship, like holding hands and going off to have a sushi dinner date. <laughs> So let's move on to our sixth ranger, who is uh, Ion, who is the gold Dino Fury ranger. And man, does he show up late for a sixth ranger? Yeah, you kind of pointed out. It's like, man, we're almost to the end of the season. I was like, yeah. Because I think he shows up in like episode 15 or 16. And typically, like, we'll, you start seeing like the sixth ranger maybe around like episode 10. Yeah. If not a little bit earlier. Yeah. So I was just like, huh, that's. That's interesting. <laughs> That's very interesting. So, you know, at this time, we don't get too much with him. But what we do is is kind of, one, kind of setting up a lot of things, I think, in the long run. But two, kind of delightful. It, it all, uh, he's another fellow Rathconian, and he was on the team with Z- Zato. Um, as yep. we noted, my God, they were roommates. Yeah. Like, that's their entire vibe when they're first introduced. <laughs> my God, they were roommates. Uh, because he blames Zaito for the Sporex, uh, being a thing in the team, their team dying, because Zaito was giving bad information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and told, hey, you're the one person that needs to make the choice of releasing this. And Aeon was like, no, don't. <laughs> yeah. That this is, this is wrong. And Zaito did not listen. And they ended up. Butting heads when they first arrived, again, like, they had to repair their friendship. I think it took, like, two or three episodes for them to really kind of repair that friendship. Oh, for sure. I think, like, once, like, once their friendship is repaired, I think they do kind of get back on the same level. It's not like with Wes and Eric, where there's just tension the entire time. Yeah, they definitely have the ex-boyfriend tension, but they're the ex-boyfriends that resolved and got back together. Unlike Wes and Eric, we're just still (laughs) bitter. Yeah. (laughs) Eric's like, ugh. Hate you for breaking up with me. You broke up with me. <laughs> you said I was some rich asshole. <laughs> you know? Eric's very much the person that broke it up, but he's still pissed about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, with them, it's kind of like they definitely got you know back together, and there's not that that tension. And in fact, when you kind of have that whole the, the PTSD planet episode. Mm-hmm. Where they, you know, uh, Zaito has to face that past of what you did. You got your teammates killed. And still have his, like, the nightmares and stuff. And he goes to Zaito about it. And oh. they, you know, it's kind of one of those they share that, uh, they unfortunately share a trauma bond there, too. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I really like that. It's more than just he's... Because Aeon's a very fun-loving guy, you know, he's definitely, mm-hmm. you know, Zato's a calming presence. Aeon's, like, brash and, 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 and bombastic, as with most golds, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Also, it seems like gold rangers tend to come from the past. Antonio doesn't, but, you know. But, I mean, he's from Jaden's past. Yeah, so. Jim <laughs> G- is from, uh, like, Dr. K's past. That's true. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, I didn't know it, like Gold Rangers tend to be bombastic. But I also like that there's kind of that, you know, yeah, like something fucked up happened to you. And we're going to explore that. I also kind of liked him getting used to human culture, got into a whole lesson about clout chasing. <laughs> yeah, because like he ends up saving like some, like he ends up saving like a bunch of people from a, um, a runaway ice cream cart. Mm hmm. And basically the guy who, um, the guy who run the ice cream cart was just like, oh, it was like him and Javi, I think, if I remember right. Yeah. The, the guy who's run the ice cream cart is just like, oh, you guys are heroes. You have, you can get free ice cream for, or life from me. And Ion's like, hell yeah, I'll take that. And Javi's like, oh, no, thank you. I, I just, like, I'm just here to do good. You know, yeah, I never had ice cream. So he's like, yeah, I want to try this shit. And it's free. Yeah. And it kind of escalates to like, He's at first, you know, like, eh, there's no harm in it. And then, like, he ends up accidentally getting, you know, the blood buzz blast crowd and takes selfies while the others get attacked. And that keeps kind of growing until uh, Slyther, show, like, sets this trap of, like, we're going to throw a party for the Power Rangers. We're going to lure lure them out and steal one of their zords. And sure enough, he falls for it. <laughs> yep. Good job, Ion. Because <laughs> he was like, he loves that. And he's like, yeah, I'm getting all this attention. It's like, yeah, but it's not, you, you got to be careful with that. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of earned, like, he learns his lesson. You can't just do things for the sake of your own self. But also, like, yeah, you can get caught up in this shit. And I like how it ends because he just ends up like, I don't want free ice cream. In fact, I'm going to help you out. Yeah, like, he ends up helping, like, basically working for the guy. Yeah. And like I love the bit because like so something we didn't talk about with raccoonians is that they are um, telepathic. Yeah, they're yeah, mind but they're mind readers. So you know, Zato shows that off when he first meets Ollie and Amelia is that he shakes their hand and immediately kind of tells them about themselves. Yeah, and I just love the bit where like Ion at the end is just like like at the end of that episode when the woman walks up to the um with to the cart and basically he's like. Oh, you seem like you want, uh, basically just tells her the flavors that she was thinking of. And she's like, oh, how did you guess that? And he's like, just a hunch. Just a hunch. Wink. <laughs> they let him wink at the camera. It was great. Yeah, it was, it was a, just a cute moment. Yeah. So yeah, probably, again, like with most of these characters, we're going to see probably more next season. Yeah. This is kind of the a bit of the bummer, I think, with the... Um, with having kind of splitting this not only into two, but also like dealing with the stuff, but also good is like you're getting all these character bits and you're establishing them. So like yeah. next season, we're going to see kind of more with these establishing stuff that, mm -hmm. you know, so I can't wait to see more of these Rangers. But let's talk about our favorite mentor. Yeah, Solon. Solon. So, yeah, so she's a I kept Solana getting her name so wrong. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want. I didn't want to be an asshole. And no, like, be an asshole. I'm bad with names when they're like alien. <laughs> yeah, so Solon is a Solanosaurus. Uh, specifically, she has some, but she has some like robotic enhancements. Mm -hmm. And so she is basically she is like she's such a team mom. Like, she, and I just, I, yeah, I just, I also love like the act, like her suit actor, just how how like she moves. I don't, well, I don't know if her suit actor is like. A woman or a man but like the way that like solon just moves in the suit with like her little arms close to her body but she's still very expressive and like moves like how i would expect like a dinosaur to move yeah i just i love that <laughs> i love that she you know 
she doesn't she's kind of a mixture of like not being too tough yeah you know uh, but also not being too soft she guides the rangers in the lessons they learn and sometimes flat out has to tell them ollie yeah and like but yeah i just love the fact that like she's just like she's yeah it's not not a soft like she's not a soft touch but like again she her her way of doing it is just i think is very like motherly where she's there to help guide them and kind of like maybe make them realize like what's really going on <laughs> i think the episode that really kind of brings to mind is when slitherfresh shows up and he shows up as another rafconian mm-hmm. and zaito is just thinking he saw someone and um salone is like sums up here yeah because so basically as we noted it's like she will fix your sword and give you soup yeah here's some chicken noodle soup it's gonna be okay yeah um as we joke that like on har- well, like so we've had the running bit for like a couple of years now where we put each of the mentors on the scale of like when you're on a road trip and you see like mcdonald's in the distance are they chanting mcdonald's mcdonald's are they saying or are they saying we have food at home or are they driving through the <laughs> through <laughs> the drive through ordering one black coffee and leaving yeah <laughs> and so for me i think so Solon is like she's in the category of like yeah she's gonna be like oh we have food at home but if she sees you're having a bad day she's gonna be like okay champ let's get in the car and go to McDonald's yeah I don't want to cook anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I I love her warmth I love a lot about her we just really oh. love her yeah she's she's just so great and like I think yeah she's definitely like probably one of my favorite mentors now if not my favorite yeah just because like she just has that like just warmth and also she's funny like she's very funny actually yeah and then i just love i love um that yeah that that, going back to that one episode with the fake rafconian like where she was trying to make like rafconian food to like comfort zato but he she accidentally made dog food which comes into play later when she yeah. tricks the faker. It's yeah, because like, it was like, oh yeah, this, this food's great. Yeah, that was dog food. So you're not really Rafconian. Who the hell are you? <laughs> yeah, so good. Also, I just love the fact in that episode where they show the like the dog. <laughs> it's such <laughs> Star Trek bullshit. They just put the little antennas on his head. <laughs> like yeah, this is. We just found these antenna at the store. Put yeah. Yeah, this is clearly a Rafconian dog. It's like, you just put the Rafcon on antennas that you put on, like, Russell Curry. I'm a dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Oh, my God. But, yeah, so... Uh, so we're gonna move on to our uh, allies and family. So, so th- yeah, this is, I feel like this is the most family that we've seen in Power Rangers in a while. Yeah, like, Beast Morphers definitely had, like, they made sure they established people having parents and stuff. But, like, this one really seems like they're now, like, really part of the plot. Mm-hmm. You know, Commander Shaw aside, like, she was their mentor. But, yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things, it's like, they're very integral there. Including, mm-hmm. like, one of them, yeah, she's a civilian, but, she, you know, she later ends up saving the day multiple yeah. times. Uh, so, but yeah, let's start with kind of our comic relief duo of the season, which is uh, Jane Fairview and Jay Borg. 
Uh, Jane Fairview is the owner and editor-in-chief of BuzzBlast, and she later gets a cyborg assistant named Jayborg. And uh, they, they roughly act like a comedy relief duo. She's basically, she's trying to be the cool boss. And this is her weird cyborg assistant that can do the right things, but, you know, you give her the wrong commands, and suddenly she's doing them very weirdly or grows cat ears. The cat, the episode where Jay Borg turns into a cat girl is so weird. I, like, I'm, I'm sorry, was this someone's fetish? Yeah, I... This oh the, my god. That was one of the very few times I am like, yeah, this was clearly... The this ep- the next episode, the writers clear- barely disguised fetish. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's funny, like, aha, uh-huh, she's a cat, but it's like she could have turned into an actual cat or something. Or just meow, they're like, no, she's gonna have cat girl ears and shit. I'm like... Yeah, and she's gonna act like a cat. Like, yeah. even hissing at Jane. Yeah, it'd be one thing if like, they just had her act like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> they just had had cat ears. Um... Uh, but uh, one of the things I've been enjoying of, because of Ben and Betty last season and stuff like that, is they're having a comic relief duo. They're kind of bubbling, but they're not copying Bulk and Skull. Yeah. Um, I think the, the newer crop of people have realized you can't copy Bulk and Skull. Yeah, I think, because it's like not every season has had a comedy relief duo. I think this is something that has definitely come, like, has come back since the Neo Saban era. Yeah. Because it, I mean, you did have comic relief characters in, um, you know, in the Disney seasons, obviously. Spencer was the best. Yeah, exactly. Spencer, you had Ziggy from RPM, even though he was also a ranger. Um, RJ kinda. (laughs) RJ kinda, and like. Bridge is a definite good example, who's also a ranger. Yeah, but they hadn't had. Yeah, during the Disney era, they didn't really have the duo, like, the same way that they had, like, Bulk and Skull. They did it kind of at the beginning, because you had mm-hmm. uh, Mar and Capri, they were the villain type. Right. And then uh, you had Devin and Cassidy, who were more mm-hmm. of the civilians in Dino Thunder. Yeah. And even then, they were kind of their own comic relief duo. And then when they kind of brought it back in the Neo Saban area, you know, with mainly Ninja Steel, it was mostly, like... We want Bulk and Skull, but we don't understand what the magic of Bulk and Skull were. Yeah, so, like, it kind of worked in Samurai, just because, again, you did literally have Paul there. Yeah, and you had, uh, you know, a child of Skull that was basically raised, Skull post a bunch of character development. So while Spike's a goofball, he's a good goofball. (laughs) Yeah. And he's his own person, you know, he isn't Skull from season one, he's like, I'm gonna steal a kiss from Kimberly without her consent. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, this is definitely the, like, this is definitely the the bulk who has, like, and this is, again, this is also the bulk who's, like, grown up and, like, learned to be a better person through Power Rangers. And yeah, he's a bit of a goofball, and he's trying to do best with his, like, you know, best friend's son, the Bulk and Skull just get married and raise Spike, let's be real. Yeah, like, that's that. I that's what I choose to believe. <laughs> that is what we believe. Yeah. Um, the truth but, is out there. But then you had uh, Victor and Monty. Mm. And then there was the stuff in the, also in the older Saban era stuff where they were just trying to copy this magic. And it just didn't work. They'd oftentimes drop the characters, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh... 
But, like, you know, it's like, just stop trying to make Bulk and Skull happen. Because what made Bulk and Skull Bulk and Skull is they had all the series, season development. It was Paul and uh, Dr. Jason Arby. We're going to give him his full title. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it's Paul, like Paul Shire yeah. and Dr. Jason Arby. Yeah. Yeah. Like those like those two are just like such they they play off of each other so well. Mm-hmm. And not to say that you can't like have an actor duo like that that plays off of each other well and not but like to replicate specifically what Bulk and Skull had is nearly impossible at this point. So what I liked with Ben and Betty and now what I liked with like Jane and Jayborg is they're that common relief duo, but they found people that one can play off of each other very well. But two have a different flavor. Like, Jane's the cool boss, and she wants all the cool scoops and everything, but she needs a, a good assistant. So she, of course, gets a cyborg up. Cyborg, it almost sounds like a clone of herself. And, like, this is state of our cyborg, but you, just, you can't be too direct with the cyborg. Right. So, because, like, J-Borg will take things, take some stuff literally, or, fu- like, like Jane will fuck up a command, you know, it ends up blowing up in their face half the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, they they were kind of their own, like, I was just like, wait, are they lovers? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. J- Jane, may, Jane wears the lesbian flag too often. <laughs> was my observation. So either Jane's yeah. a lesbian or they're lovers. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just, I just kind of like that, you know, Jane Jane isn't a fool, but she's definitely like that older adult trying to still be cool. Yeah, and it, like it definitely fits for a, like a, a BuzzFeed um, like equivalent, especially in the series. Because though, like I what I made the joke like when uh, Jay Borg was first introduced of like, oh, this is awkward now that like BuzzFeed has like pivoted to AI. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little awkward. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, and this is, you know, the, the comedy just more or less comes from that and, you know, her giving J-Borg to a directive an order. Yeah, and, like, or something messes up with J-Borg. <laughs> um. Or my favorite was when Amelia was giving J-Borg kind of the interview questions and then started really getting into the paranormal. And, you know, you had change to be like, no, don't ask, don't, don't, don't ask that question. Right. <laughs> we got in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Alright, um so that kind of covers with uh Jane and Jay Borg. So uh our next character is Dr. Lonnie Akana, who is Ollie's mom. And uh as you noted here, got it going on. Yeah, we were like, <laughs> she's hot. <laughs> yeah, she like yeah, Dr. Akana is very hot. It's like, ooh. Um, um She's an archaeologist, she's actually for introduced in the first episode, and she's uh like she's going over the ruins that are basically the headquarters and the statues yeah. there. Yeah, Dino Henge. Yeah, Dino Henge. And she's like trying to find the mystery over a Dino Henge. Of course, Amelia's like, it's haunted, and uh Dr. Akana and Ollie are like, ah, we don't think it's haunted, but there's definitely something interesting here. Yeah. So uh, she's definitely less of an asshole than Ollie is. Like, I think you can tell where Ollie gets his headstrongness, but like from her but it's also just the fact that she's obviously mellowed out and is just like she's you know she's a scientist so like obviously she's not going to like be super into the whole ghost thing but like she's not dismissing amelia the same way ollie does it's like ollie's like you're a weirdo and you shocked me (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, you know, I mean, fair. <laughs> fair. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, she, and, you know, oftentimes when there's something that kind of needs that archaeologist touch, she shows up, like the episode where uh, Aeon gets kind of uncovered, and she, she actually talks like, hey, like, you know, she's using an old computer and stuff, that's where the obsolete kind of stuff come, comes in, because that's where mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to get her a new computer, she can find out what's going on faster in her submersible. But, you know, she's, she's finding out kind of all these things that are going on, and uh, it comes in handy. She's able to report about the Gold Ranger. Uh, she's able to, uh, like, to report about other things that are kind of going on. And uh, she ends up saving the day at the very end because it's like, hey, there's something here about Dino Hinge with the statues here. They have a lot of power. Yeah. And when they're like, we need to contact your mom about all this because... Void Light looks like he's gonna use this shit. Always like, no, I, I, I don't want to put her in danger. And later, you know, when she's studying in it, the other rangers get kidnapped, and it's kind of up to her and Ollie. Ollie's mm-hmm. so reluctant. She's like, no, you need me right now, or your friends are dead. She actually says dead. Yeah, like they, like that was like they actually said like dead instead of destroyed, yeah. or I think they said killed or something like that. Yeah, I was it's like, like, like wow, what? you're you're actually using death. <laughs> And Which, oh yeah, oh go. By the way, also a thing that was surprising this season. Sorry, we should have talked about this with Izzy. I was actually surprised Fern kissed her on the cheek in an episode. There's kissing. There's kissing and using the words death and Power Rangers. What what has become of Power Rangers? Wow, like shocking, shocking. Um, but um, I also love the fact that she finds out like that the who the the Rangers' secret identity. Yeah, it's because you know their powers get disrupted. And then she's like, Ollie? And before yeah. she's like, Ollie's friends? Wait, Ollie? Is that why you're kind of being weird? Yeah, and then she th- threatens Void Knight, too. <laughs> like, she's like, I will kill you. <laughs> it's like, something happens to them. I will. Yeah, she was like, okay, damn, okay. Yeah, she was like, I will hunt you down. <laughs> Give Dr. Akana more for goddamn. Yeah, man. <laughs> So, yeah, it's just, like, she's, like, I just, uh, yeah, I love Dr. Arcana, like, you know, especially the fact that she gets kind of established as a badass from the first episode and just continues down that path. Yeah, she's, and I, you know, and you definitely got, you get to see where kind of Ollie kind of comes from, like you said, you know, she's more mellowed out, but she's still headstrong, like, hell, she threatened a fucking monster. She actually go, like, basically is like, Ollie, we gotta do this, but, you know, I gotta act as a distraction, you know, she actually faces Void Knight unmorphed. <laughs> like, she's like, I ain't afraid. Yeah, like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also just love Ollie, like, trying to do the stupid deep voice-like thing around, like, his mom whenever he's a ranger. He's like, oh, hi, Dr. Akata, I am definitely not Ollie. And, like, he hugs her at one point because he's, like, relieved she's okay, and then she's like, uh, are you alright? <laughs> It's like, He's oh like, yeah, yeah, ma'am, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> and then I think that's when, like, right before he demorphs, right? <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's why you hugged me. <laughs> she, she's the good parent. We're gonna get into the bad parent in a little bit. So let's talk about one more good, good guardian parent. <laughs> yeah, that is Ed Pop Pop Jones, who is Amelia's grandfather and legal guardian. Yeah, he's the Mister Fix It about town. Yeah, so like. He, you know, he's the kind of, he's the hand, he's the local handyman. He's there to, like, help fix various things, like, including, like, the air conditioning at Buzz Blast at one point. Yeah. 
I kind of noted this is where kind of Amelia gets a lot of her personality and quirks from because, you know, he's very inquisitive. I think he also believes in ghosts, you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of is a very heartful person and very much thinks of other people. I, that's why he's a, a, a handyman. Oh, yeah. No. And um, I got super invested in his romance with the museum curator. Oh, that episode was so cute. Like, and it's like, oh, they accidentally like worry. Like he wears the per like the cologne that attracts bees. (laughs) Yes, like (laughs) of course may attract bees. It's a good idea, (laughs) you know. And um, but yeah, it's and you know he definitely cares about Amelia, as kind of we pointed out. Where he's like, I'm just trying to do best for her. And make sure she's going to be, you know, a sound adult. Right. Because it's, it's obvious Pop-Pop may not always be a sound adult. And Mila also feels like she's really got to take care of him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely kind of like that, you know, he's he's old, he's he's young enough to stand on his own feet, but definitely old enough that he definitely needs a, a younger person around to help him out every now and then. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's get to the to the worst. Yeah, this Warden nerd. Carlos Garcia, like who's Javi's dad? Javi's dad and um, Izzy's stepdad. Yeah, and um, a cab includes this guy, but thank God they made him out to be a total nerd. Yeah, he's like park ranger. Why are you taking this so fucking seriously? Yeah, you're like like damn. Okay, run a cop. Seriously, like that's his entire vibe. His entire vibe is run a cop, and it's very funny. Izzy, he's very much. I'm not the stepfather. I'm the father that stepped up. Like he's really he he helps with her coaching. He's always there for her meets. He's he wants her to be the best. All the stuff. But to Javi, he's pretty much like, if you're saying I play favorites, you're wrong. I love all my children equally. Earlier that day, I don't care for Javi. <laughs> seriously he's like uh i kind of the vibe i got is this toxic masculine thing of like you need to do an actual job you know you need Mm -hmm. to be a provider you can't go off and do this stupid stuff like music it's kind of like you can't chase these dreams and he's he's always very hard to yeah like like abusive like he took like javi it's not something you paid for that's something javi paid for and saved up his bud bla- buzz blast like salary for to pay for that, and you're like, I'm taking this back. It's like, yeah, that's such a shitty thing to do. It's like, it's not like he bought it with your money or anything like that. And even in that case, like, that's still a shitty thing have to do. It. Yeah, you know, and um, and he's a little stern with Izzy, but I noticed like is like you know eventually Izzy convinced him to like do the gym, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, it's just. Well, I guess, you know, and it gets on the, why weren't you protecting your stepsister? You know? Right. And, um, so it's just, I kind of wonder where this is going to go with Javi, because this is definitely, it's definitely one of those, like, tension points you sometimes see with parents, is just the kid is not what they expect them to be, and they're just not going to accept their kid for who they are. Again, with the closet metaphor, but. Yeah, I, I I do like the fact that, like, as much as, like, this guy sucks, um, I do like the fact that, like, in the episode with the keytar, like, it's not an easy resolve by the end of the episode. Yeah, it really isn't. Like, he's still, and uh, he's still kind of a jerk to Javi. 
Yeah, yeah. and like, and Javi's friends end up being the one, like, the other rangers are the ones who end up buying Javi a new keytar. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's definitely kind of leaving that hanging for something later instead of, you know, like, typically in Power Rangers, oh, everything's resolved and fine now. I learned the error of my ways and I'm a good dad now. It's like, no, he's, he's still kind of a weirdo. Yeah, and I, I like the fact that Sol, uh, Solon in that episode, like, it's, like, again, another teen mom moment where she, like, sees the the, the clip. Yeah. And she's, like, she shows the rest of the team, like, how Javi's dad is treating him. And they're like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. And, um, I did love that his, one of his more geeky, nerdy moments was with that, that monster with, like, the sleep bomb and all that. He's like, I'm the park ranger here. I'm gonna figure out what's... Yeah. I was like, eh. It could be worse. He could be James. I mean, that the bar is so low. Or, or <laughs> Chloe's dad. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Chloe's dad is truly the fucking worst. Forget the name of him, but Chloe's dad sucks the worst. At least James is, like, still a good guy, but a shitty dad. Chloe's dad is like, I'm just gonna break the fucking universe, because fuck y'all. I, I miss my dead wife. Like, ugh. Fuck Chloe's dad. Bully. Yeah, so, yeah. Lord and Carlos Garcia could be a lot worse. Um, let's talk quickly about the villains, mostly because, you know, there's more story to unfold here, and we've only gotten the, sh- the kind of the beginning part of this. Uh, mainly with Void Knight, which I, to really describe him, he's hunky Mr. Freeze. Yeah, because he's got a whole thing where, like, his wife or his lover is, like, under, like, ice and he's trying to revive her. Yeah, or in stasis of some sort, he's trying to revive her and that's why he's collecting all the Sporex, is, like, he's trying to resurrect her and we don't know how he got his powers, we do know he's a humanoid who wears a helmet. So he takes mm-hmm. it off, you're like, oh, wow, this guy's hunky. Yeah. Um, he's but- quick to temper with those around him. He, he rules kind of, rules like early Lord Zed. Oh, for sure. But, you know, and this later culminates to him, like, fuck using the Sporex. I'm going to go uh, to Dino Hinge and use the Rangers. And he nearly succeeds until, you know, the whole thing explodes. And you, you think he's dead, but I don't think he is. I've read some spoilers, but... Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like... I I like that there's a bit of more than just I'm just evil for evil's sake. This mm-hmm. is somebody, it's kind of hinted at, somebody that turned evil because of, like, a grief or something happened to them. And this is how, you know, this is the only way I think I can save this person. Yeah. You know, or this is the only way I could save the world. You know, like an Ozymandias at that, like, kind of that grandeur type of thing, you know, or or Mr. Freeze on a more human humanistic level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk about who we definitely, definitely like, who really isn't much there, but we love, we love them. Yeah, so, uh, Mucus, uh, so it's been a while since we've kind of had a Poissandra type character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, we love this, like, as you noted, Mucus T-1000 goofball. There's a lot of T-1000 gags with Mucus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, Mucus is such a goofball. I love them. <laughs> and with Mucus came his other, or her other half. I'm just gonna use all pronouns for Mucus. I don't care. 
Yeah. Mucus is a non-binary icon now. Yeah, I mean, she's basically mucus and, like, mushrooms, so, like... Yeah. It's like, they are beyond gender. Yeah, mushrooms are beyond life. <laughs> they exist as a form of decay. <laughs> it's like, fuck you, have a nice day. Yeah, yeah. You can't <laughs> However- kill mucus in a way that matters. <laughs> I'm just gonna draw Slither with like a gun pointed at Mucus because like you can't kill me in a way that matters. <laughs> oh shit. So uh, yeah, so our next one is Slither, who he's he's kind of the second like the second like general villain to come in. Um and he's so fruity. He has the master of the skies. Um he's yes, he's pretty fruity. Uh, and he often tricks the rangers, though, because of it. Like, the rangers get easily tricked by this man's disguise, even though it's pretty obvious. Like, there's a, the same color scheme, the mustache. Every, at, at one point, you're gonna have to second-guess people that show up with mustaches. Yeah. Like, or, like, wearing bright-ass blue and orange. Yeah, like, like, Anthony got replaced. And it's very clearly not Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you wearing? Oh, it's the style now. Why are you talking like that? It's like, it's like, guys, you really are, like, young adults. You, you should have recognized this pattern by now, but, you know. And But he, he does get foiled. Uh, he doesn't get along with Mucus, even though I, Mucus was kind of the one that kind of makes him come about. I think he even mm-hmm. resurrects him at one point, because he was, like, a monster leak, and then gets resurrected by Mucus. But doesn't have any memory, so Mucus is like, you're my friend. <laughs> and then later finds out, you know, no, Mucus was not your friend. You hated Mucus. <laughs> so that's kind of the thing. Is they're kind of the bumbling like villain types, but they're they're still pretty effective. Uh the one thing I want to note about Slither is his disguises were played by different people, but uh his voice actor did appear as one of his disguises, and that was Mr. Wiz, who basically did the whole like, you will win this computer if you guess all the gumballs. Just yeah. a nice little detail. This is a nice little detail. We're gonna just talk about Boom Tower because he's a big guy. And he goes boom, and I made fun of his <laughs> name a lot. But Ashley has another thing with it. So I kept like, okay. There's a bit in the TV show Letter Kenny involving a bunch of hockey players. And I can't really explain the bit. Like, it's one of those things that you kind of have to see it to fully understand how this bit plays out throughout multiple episodes. But, like, one of the, like, hockey players, they call him Boomtown. So every time I, like, they say Boomtown, I'm just like, Boomtown! (laughs) (laughs) And so when we were writing this episode, I kept accidentally calling him Boomtown. Just like how I accidentally get everyone's names wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's just me, like, free associating it with, like, the the weird Canadian, like... (laughs) comedy show i'm just dyslexic yeah that's fair <laughs> yeah i'm I'm trying i'm writing these names off a page and we didn't go over them like dorks so. it's all right i guess now we're on honorable mentions Ma- morphin masters they show up particularly the green one but we're probably gonna get see them more next season but they're here yeah i i did love the fact that the green morphin master at the very end is literally a fucking deus ex machina yeah she's like you have more work to be done yeah, so because basically they lose their powers at the end of the season, and then all of a sudden she just comes down from the heavens, like restores Dino Hinge, gives them their powers back. She's like, "You got more work to do," and like 
Zeno tries to ask her questions and she just zooms off. Bye now. Bye. It's like when uh, in Dogma, when like the main character tried to ask God a question and God just <laughs> boops her. The only thing you actually hear or God say in that entire movie. I was about to make the joke about the emissaries are essentially Metatron. Yeah, no, that, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're just going to read all the emissaries talking like Alan Rickman. Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't technically know what they sound like. So I'm just going to make that up. <laughs> yeah. But as we continue with our honorable mentions, Mechanic, like we mentioned, he does show up. Very briefly, not enough to really kind of go into detail, but it was nice to see. The one thing we loved from Ninja Steel. Yeah, so we were just like, hey, it's Mick! And, like, I love the fact that, like, Zato is, like, a little distrustworthy of him at first, but then, like, as the episode goes on, like, oh, he's like, oh, Mick is, like, on our side. like, And actually not a bumbling fool. Yeah, no, he's very smart. Don't um, judge a book by its cover, is that lesson. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just love the fact that this is, like, the second time we see Mick with a with another mentor, or at least another, like... Because I, I just, I'm just thinking of that, like, bit from um that one Shattered Grid issue where, like, Mick is like, it's, uh, like, it's Alpha 5! <laughs> Alpha 5's like, hello! Uh, it sounds like he might be in Cosmic Fury for a little, like, uh, and doing, like, a guest role. So, I can't wait. Hell yeah. I, I love, I love Mick. Lord Zed! You know, we we gotta shout out to Lord Zed there, so. Of course, yeah. It's he- like... I feel like he's gonna show up again and it's just like damn like i was what i said like the, like lord zed's on the juice in this season oh yeah lord zed is uh what happened to the rock post his wwe career <laughs> lord just, zed is, lord zed is hulk Hogan's final form yeah why is he so thick <laughs> this is what hulk hogan actually looked for I'm sorry. Uh, but we wanted to touch on Lily here. Because um, she only shows up in the one episode. Uh, they wanted to to have... Uh, I think they, they partnered, it sounded like, with the Special Olympics, possibly, to mm-hmm. uh, show off a character with an intellectual disability. And yeah. it was Lily, and she's actually played by... A special Olympic athlete, uh, equestrian athlete, Sarah Dalton. It sounded like uh, she did a very good audition and everything. And they they purposely wanted to cast someone yeah. that actually has, uh, you know, a mental disability. Um, yeah. Instead of, and, instead of just yeah. a random actress. <laughs> yeah. And what I really appreciate about this episode is, one, they do actually explain what the Special Olympics are at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Like, and they, they, they integrate it into, like, they're just, like, basically the dialogue explaining, you know, what what it actually is. Yeah, and, like, because um, Lily, uh, you know, was a medalist, you know, and, mm-hmm. and everything. And it's like, oh, yeah, she's an athlete with this. Yeah, and then, like, what I actually, but, but yeah, what I appreciated when we're going through this episode, because it's, like, so the whole plot line is again the ultimate lesson is that there's gonna there are more important things to life than winning. Mm-hmm. And basically, like Lily is helping Izzy train for this race, and then she runs late to a session with like one of the smoothies that she like that she was supposed to get Izzy, and you find out that um 
she's like, oh, I was running late because I was helping my friend shop. And Izzy kind of just takes it the wrong way immediately before, like, uh, Lily can explain. And, like, you know, that's, you know, slick. Uh, Lily tells her there's more important things to life than winning, but Izzy kind of blows her off. And then at the, uh, right before the race starts, she sees Lily's friend that she was out shopping with. Specifically, she was grocery shopping with her because she had recently broken her leg and couldn't reach stuff on the shelf. Yeah. So Lily was actually helping her out. But what I appreciate about this particular plot is, like, well, one, they actually do talk about what the Special Olympics are instead of making it, like, a joke, which has a tendency to happen a lot. Yeah, even in children's television, so. Yeah. But two, the specific plot with Lily, um, there's nothing on it that really hinges on her disability. Like, Lily's not there to be, like, an inspirational, like disabled person (laughs) disabled person like she's just a disabled person who is like helping out her her cousin and also helping out a friend and living her life like i feel like with some very minor tweaks you could have done this episode with a non-disabled actress and it would have roughly been the same yeah so but that's what i appreciate about it is that it's not about like making making this like not it's not about making the disabled character like the inspiration or the 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 thing that she learned like the thing that Izzy learns from her is about like respecting disabled people. Yeah. Cause I feel like if you had done something had a partnership like this in the Neo Saban era. <sighs> oh my god, it would have been very Like not even just the Neo Saban era, even the first Saban era. It would have just been awful. I mean Let's be fair, they had an episode with a deaf person. That is true. And it was the only thing that, you know, while, you know, the the disability wasn't really a superpower, it was just more of like, you know, she was the only witness to her friends getting marched away and, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to communicate and everyone was getting frustrated with her until it's like, hey, you know, until like, I think it was Kimberly was like, no, she's saying her friends are in danger. <laughs> yeah. And, um, like, that was, that was decently touched on, because it's like, hey, you can't, like, just, you can't just help someone get frustrated with them because you don't know how to communicate properly, you know? Right. So, touch and go. Neo Saban era, though, I'm like, oh, no, it would have been. Yeah. And I do like what is in the, the press release from the Special Olympics from, um, like the quote that they had attributed to Simon Bennett. Yeah. Is when casting Lily, we wanted to make sure this person was A, a Special Olympics athlete, and B, had a positive spirit and attitude complementing the qualities of our main cast. Sarah certainly met those requirements, and she's been fantastic to work with. Featuring diverse characters has always been a part, a vital part of the Power Rangers story. We're thrilled to have Sarah join the Power Rangers family. So, like, I, yeah, I think that definitely, like, I just, I, like, I, that's why I love the fact that, like, her disability is not a like obviously yes it is part of her character but like this episode plot and her like contribution to the episode is not hinging on her disability being something that izzy learns from i find that power rangers likes to show what the world could be Mm -hmm. you know in a lot of ways and lily is still disabled and she's still uh living her life as a disabled person 
Mm-hmm. You know, but she's living in a world that, like, actually cares for her. Yeah, like, you you can tell Izzy respects her for not, you know, not just as a family member, but the fact that, like, she is an athlete and takes that seriously. Yeah, and it's not like treating Lily, I've been treated like this before, like, special. Yeah. Like, you know, placating to Lily or whatever. It it was definitely, like, Mm -hmm. a fakeness sometimes people get with you when they just kind of catch a whiff. Yeah. And, um... So, I really, it's like, that's something I feel is important in kids' shows in a lot of ways, because it's like, this is what they watch. Right. And I want, kind of, it's like, yeah, sometimes you want to do a world where, like, things are more realistic, and you're gonna see struggle and strife, but also sometimes you just want to have to show, like, this is what the world could be. Yeah, and I think it is important for children to see like a case where you you know they are going to meet people with disabilities they could be you know people out there in like the world they can be people who that are their own family their classmates i would like to point out at any moment you also can become disabled yes that is true you may not be born with an intellectual disability like lily is or anything like that but you know you could you know develop an intellectual disability through other things like i have a friend of mine who's had strokes and that has like affected how her brain works long covid long covid that's a you know that's also like can be a disability that fucks with your brain along with your body yeah become physically disabled at any point as well and so like even in a but, temporary sense as well too like yeah physical disability can be like she helped her friend with grocery shopping because her friend was temporarily disabled with a broken leg yeah. So, but yeah, I just like the fact that, like, it's, I, I think it's important here to teach the lesson that, like, because adults have a tendency that when they're talking to their kids about disability, trying to kind of make it, like, inspiration porn or just be like, oh, don't, you know, don't bring up their disability. Don't talk about it. That's rude. Mm-hmm. When, like, the kid is, might be just be genuinely curious versus, like, they're, like, not you know they're not insulting the person they want to know like hey i'm not familiar with this what's going on yeah so i just i like the fact that like specifically here the lesson is part of that lesson like obviously yeah the ultimate lesson of the episode is there are more important things than winning but i like the fact that the incorporation of lily here is also just treat the disabled people in your life like normal fucking people I promise I don't bite people. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, respect them for not, you know, not because of, like, they tell you that you need to respect a person with disability and, like, you know, treat them as martyrs or whatever. Respect them for what they, like, who they are and what they bring to the table. Yeah. And also, I just love the fact I looked at Sarah Dalton's Instagram and she, like, went and saw a show that Tessa Rao was in. And, like, they had a picture afterwards. It was so adorable. Yeah. (laughs) So I just love the fact that, like, yes, she is definitely part of the Power Rangers family now. <laughs> oh, I guess that's all we kind of... Oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, if we're getting segue now, I guess it ends with our first point here when we're touching about disability. With gay people exist. Yeah, so that kind of overall carries into this entire arc that we're talking about of, like, this particular season treating things like disability and queerness as fucking normal. Like, 
wow, like, I didn't think that Power Rangers had it in them. <laughs> Power Rangers, from the beginning, wanted to kind of always show a multicultural world. Um, I think I miss, like, called it in the past, but I definitely, it's like a shallow type of diversity to it, to where, like, there wasn't too much expression. Yeah, like, there's always been attempts there, but it was like, sometimes, especially in the 90s, like, there was a very 90s type of diversity where it just felt like, we have one of everything. Yeah, and, um, you know, like, Bless Walter Jones, what he brought to the role of Zach, mm-hmm. by the way, because he brought, like, a lot of, you know, he brought kind of a, a lot of his own, like, mm-hmm. stuff to it. But, the, you know, it's just kind of like, they weren't also people, you know, and, and I'm just meaning everyone in my right. at that point. But it's like, we have one of everything. We're not going to really go into what that right. means. Even in, like, an idealistic setting, what that means. Yeah, like, I mentioned the episode earlier about the the one classist girl who is just like, oh, well, Aisha can't be in our club because she her family doesn't make as much money as mine does. Yeah, they're, they're really trying to do a racism allegory, and it's like, it's not working. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, they don't really talk about that particular experience, and, like, I we we are aware that there have been struggles behind the scenes of trying to get queer characters into Power Rangers for a long time, very long time. And like, here's the thing: if Saban had been okay with there being gay people featured in Power Rangers before this, it I do not think it would have been handled as gracefully as it is in Dino Fury. Like, I feel like it would have been a very special episode type of deal. And then, like, quickly forgotten. Yeah. And, like, maybe not maybe not even a main character. It would have just been some side character where everybody learns what a gay means. Uh, like they normally do in Mighty Morphin when they, like, like I mentioned with the, with the deaf girl. There's the dyslexic guy episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's never, you know, the rangers kind of have to be pristine and perfect but somebody else can get in trouble you know or somebody else can can teach the rangers what it is to you know like respect a disabled person yeah or respect a gay person you know and no i like i kind of said it's like sometimes you just want to watch people just existing in a more idealistic setting yeah and like so i like the fact that in the episode that we were talking about the matchmaker is at the Mm -hmm. end like Javi is just like he goes and apologizes to Anthony for everything that happened because he basically got kidnapped and like Slither pretended to be him and like a whole thing. And he also has made his apologies to Izzy for basically like making presumptions about her life and trying to interfere with it. And he's just like, I just I just really thought she was into someone. And then you see like Anthony look over and he goes, I I think you are right. (laughs) And he, Javi turns around and he sees uh, Fern asking Izzy if she wants to go and get sushi. And Izzy says yes and takes her hand. And they walk they walk away together. And Javi kind of just gets the smile on his face like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like he finally gets it. 
I, it's that that meme, that Sonic meme. Oh, these bitches are gay. Good for them. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But also, I just love that. Like, he's one. He's super happy. He's obviously immediately super happy for his sister. And then, like, you see, um, Amelia, Ollie, and Zato are off, kind of in their own like corner, and they see uh, Fern and. Um, Izzy walking away together and like at one point like Izzy kind of leans her head on Fern's shoulder it's really cute and like they see them walking away and like Amelia points it out and she goes oh they're so cute together and like that made me teary because it was like it's like they don't have this whole discussion that oh Izzy's gay and what does that mean you know they don't have this like angsty moment of her talking about her crush on fern or thinking that fern's not going to reciprocate or just like you know how like how is like izzy's family going to react which i know there's an episode about izzy and her family and her queerness in the next season but i know it's a very different kind of thing that we're talking about here and i just the fact that it's just in this particular context it's so normal that Izzy is queer and she's like going out on a date with a girl and the fact that her friends are just thrilled that like she is with somebody and thinks they're cute. This is my I think the kids are right speech but this is where I think it's more modernized Uh, yeah people that age are like yeah people are gay yeah (laughs) you know uh, where when we grew up it was you know it it was you kept in the closet. It could ruin your career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you couldn't say who your partner was um, in fear of like some sort of retaliation, and that's that still exists. I'm not gonna say that it doesn't exist, but like kids are just kind of like yeah, people are gay. Yeah, because they grew up around like gay marriage stuff like that that they just know people are gay. Yeah, <laughs> like. And they're like, ah, you're kind of a fucking old fart if you think otherwise. Right. Not to get on my soapbox here, but I think that's why there is such a retaliation to hide this sort of thing and the push, the pushback on, on queerness in general mm-hmm. and queer culture being a part of now uh, kind of a more popular culture is just because it's like kids are learning that they're gay people. It's like, bitch, they've known they existed for ages. Yeah, like that's the like people want to get mad about like trans people existing or gay people existing. It's like gay and trans people have existed since the beginning of time and will continue to exist despite your efforts of genocide. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you've tried multiple times and the thing is people are going to be born gay and people are going to be born trans. Like, it's just part of being human. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, that's, like, again, this is more modernized look at things. It's like, yeah, people that age are going to be like, Oh, what does Izzy being queer gay mean? It's like, no, they're like, hey, she has a girlfriend. That's cool. Like, you know, a lot of younger people are way more chill. Yeah. I'm just going to say that from my uh, being around younger people. As opposed to even people my age where I just get very, very fucking frustrated at them. Let's let's talk about some silly stuff. Uh, I wanted to talk about the MOOC operated the forklift incorrectly and probably wasn't cer- certified. Yeah, it's like so they're they're called hingemen, which I totally forgot yeah. about that. I knew it was some sort of dumb pun. It was like it's a dumb pun, but I was like, ah, uh, you're not forklift certified. <laughs> How do you even get forklift certified as a Power Rangers like 
first like one hit hit wonder like kind of villain you know uh, i wonder i'm wondering if that is part of like their training because you gotta you gotta do a lot of things when you're a mook <laughs> including moving heavy objects and you, you sometimes need pit equipment for that so, <laughs> right you know, maybe maybe void knight was like no we gotta train you on, on pit equipment like go <laughs> learn forklift <laughs> you need a forklift vats of sporax into my machine <laughs> god we kind of touched on this but it really was just i cannot get over shane and ryan as rangers like this was this is a perfect little homage of something there's like for me it's like there's just no way that like i mean i'm sure like i don't know if someone from like who worked on the show would listen to this episode and be like no that's not real it's like no this is they're, they're just so clearly shane and ryan like i have not watched buzzfeed unsolved going into watch your entertainment for like almost a decade now not to be like th- these characters are just shane and ryan <laughs> yeah it's just more of like that's kind of a neat little little homage to 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 kind of a really interesting part of really neat part of like uh internet entertainment oh yeah it kind of, kind of goes into the modernization of, of this it's like they're actually taking references and homages from stuff from the fucking internet yeah because like like, yeah, I mean, obviously not everybody is going to know who, Sh- like, Shane Day and Ryan Bergara are, but, like, I feel like there's going to be a decent amount of people, especially because, like... Parents. Yeah, parents. Like, YouTube is, like, the most, like, watched video service, uh, like, out there in general. And so, like, yeah, you're going to have people who are very familiar with particular YouTube personalities. Yeah. Um, Like, they're, like... You can balk at it all you want, but they're going to, like, there's definitely going to be people out there that, like, I I don't know, I don't understand, I don't really know who, what Mr. Beast's entire deal is, but, like, I saw some video recently where he said, like, he's definitely somebody who matters to every, uh, every male under 25. Yeah, like, uh, yes, like, people have made empire, like, media empires on this stuff. Mm-hmm. People have gotten their entertainment careers launched this. I made a j- made a cursed joke of there's probably a version of the Try Guys in this universe. Yeah, but I just I, I also want to believe that there's a version of Quinta Brunson in this universe as well. That like that's like a least curse version. <laughs> yeah, like there's like there's just like a, a Buzz Blast reporter who like eventually like pitches her own show, like go- gets more famous outside of like Buzz Blast pitches her own show works with like also works with like the um <laughs> the power rangers equivalent of robin feedy <laughs> <laughs> yeah you went for the not cursed option i went for the cursed option i mean i feel like there's a whole range when you look at like people who worked for buzzfeed and went on to do their own thing yes Ryan Shane are about like the middle ground. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I'm just now remembering because you mentioned the Try Guys. There is a, such a great bit in one of the most recent episodes of Puppet History where they had Zach Kornfeld from the Try Guys as the guest. Oh my God. And like, uh, what was the episode? It was about the it was about the Borgias, so specifically uh, Cesare Borgia, and um, they were talking about like how like somebody was talking about how like what like one of the the history figures they were talking about is like talking about being into his wife or whatever and zach just goes no wife guy shit please and like (laughs) ryan totally out of pocket goes why is that zach (laughs) i was just like fuck 
me. That's just, oh, God, that's too funny. Yeah. <laughs> I have thought about it, like, endlessly for weeks now. Um, I guess one of the final things I want to touch about, uh, I, I'm making kind of, I might be paraphrasing the terrible best writer P- PSA with, and look at all these different types of families. <laughs> oh, God. But that is the only way I can kind of describe, like, this era of Power Rangers, but this particular season, you're seeing more of the Rangers' personal lives and their families, and you have, you you still have a lot of kind of, like, one-parent families. I noticed Power Rangers really loves that. Mm-hmm. But there there feels like there are explanations to it. You know, you have Amelia being raised essentially by a legal guardian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she's she doesn't really know her parents, uh, her bio parents anyway, but she treats Pop Pop like her, you know, that's her parent. Um, you have Javi and Izzy coming from like um uh, you know, a, a family an integrated family, you know. Mm-hmm. They came from, you know, they they basically, you know, their parents married their one parent married each other, you know. Right. And I don't sometimes it feels like Carlos is kind of the dad that Izzy knows. Right. Yeah. So I kind of do wonder when that marriage did get integrated and all that. And that might be something we find out later, or something that might just be told kind of through storytelling later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the stuff with Ollie being overprotective of his mom and friends, because, like, his mom's pretty much all he has. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, I like that they're, you know, they have jobs. You do see, you know, they have lives. They have interests. It isn't just, we're gonna go clean up the park. It's like, yeah, no, I really do like that. That they do, like, they do seem like they have, like, lives and personalities outside of being power rangers like it's something that like especially like in like the neo saban era and like that that was like the team was just the teams were usually just so focused on being power rangers that you never really got a chance to see who they were outside of that no i feel like dino charge was one of the few times you saw it yeah and like you know because i think you you met shelby's dad and then like uh, obviously you had the whole thing with like james um and the the cover is they're working with the museum mm-hmm. you know as cafe people oftentimes their life gets integrated into the story like it is with power Rangers. so that was the only time and then disney era and i would say probably post mighty morphin they mm-hmm. were, they kept labeling teenage them teenagers but let's face it they're young adults yeah and then like they're young adults doing a job, and this is what their job they're assigned to. Yeah, and, like, especially because, like, last season, like, you did have, like, with Beast Morphers, you did have, like, these young adults, but, like, they're clearly, you know, they're working for this, like, paramilitary organization, essentially. And you, you get to still see their family, though, too. Yeah. So, but, like, so much of their life just ends up going back to being a Power Ranger, which I know it's a thing where, like, you know... And it's always been an aspect of Power Rangers is that Ranger shit has always interfered with real life in some way or in fashion. Mm-hmm. Which and then Zordon will say, oh, I never meant to deprive you of having a life. It's like, motherfucker. <laughs> You're gonna fight Zordon one day for that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you say that, and yet, like, these children, because they are children, are essentially at your beck and call, like, every hour of the fucking day, because monsters could attack at any point. <sighs> You're like, I'm gonna fight that old man. Uh, 
<laughs> I don't care if he's in a glass tube. I'll do it. But yeah, whereas this really expands more in their personal lives and the lessons also derive from more of their personal lives too, not just ranger shit. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's, it's, I like it. I like that we are, we're seeing kind of a more personal touch and also makes them feel more like actual people, even though the character beats in this show have just started, mm-hmm. makes them feel more realistic it feels it feels like we're back in the Disney seasons. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's I feel like it's got that good mix of like it's got a little bit of the energy that was like kind like the older energy that came with Neo Saban, but it's like but also but also the fact that like yeah, we're kind of getting back to how the Disney seasons were in terms of how they decided to do storytelling. And like now they're evol- and it's now like evolved into the more modernized stuff being instead of taking like a decade or two back. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna reach our, our verdict. Like I said, finally, modernized Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> this is that's <laughs> definitely I think that's definitely the verdict there. I feel like it's been a long time coming. I'll say this, if you take this season is just a season, it's definitely the halfway point of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh nothing neatly gets resolved in the bow. The characters still have beats to explore. It's kind of a, a little empty on that, but However, it, like I mentioned, it's tapping into my kind of my the my favorite lost art of television storytelling, which is that episodic show with a myth arc. Yet I often, you know, it really does kind of blend that modern TV progression storytelling as well. The season finale makes you want to tune into the next season and see how it goes. I feel like Power Rangers hasn't explored that for a while, and nor to its full potential, especially with the Nickelodeon split. Every season kind of ended with like a neat bow tied before the next season, whereas this one, like. Hey, there's shit to still do, and there's there's questions still to be answered. And it leaves off with like a quiz, like a cliffhanger with Void Knight. So I'm like, okay, all right, you got me hooked. Uh, as for Pounders itself, uh, finally we're not treating kids like they're stupid. Uh, they can follow a story, and this has a story for them to follow. It's teach- and also, like I said, there's some basic storytelling in there of that's not just telling them. They actually have actual relatable characters instead of, like, relics of 90s storytelling. It's caught up with society storytelling and lessons to teach children. This is a world the kids can recognize and storytelling kids can recognize. Uh, to tie back really what I said, the storytelling method is, is something that kids probably aren't too aware of or don't know well. So it's probably exciting for them as it is for me to want to see where the story goes. And I, I can't wait to finish this tale. Yeah. Honestly, I know we've only done one season of Dino Fury so far, but this honestly feels like what I've been waiting for Power Rangers to be after RPM. It tells an intriguing, serialized story while being still fun and episodic. It's like, and the characters feel like young adults trying to find their way in the world while still balancing being a Power Ranger instead of just being heavily balanced on just being a Power Ranger. Plus, things like queerness and disability are treated so normally that it feels remarkable with how unremarkable it is in the show. That's something that Power Rangers should have been doing this whole time and kind of has failed at so far. So, yeah, I cannot wait to see where the story goes. All right, that's it for this month's episode. We would like to thank the following people that have done cool shit for a show. Let's thank Kate Nix, who has done our cool theme song. Uh, her site, Kate Nix, is actually up, and you can find everything that you want uh, about her under there, where it's Closet Champion, which has, uh, gear making, as well as cool custom, uh, clothing designs, or her streaming and band camp. 
Her streaming site is katenix.com, where she does the bi-monthly show, The Lounge, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. If you're wondering if it's an on or an off month, you can check out her show's Instagram, it's The Lounge, and you can watch older episodes on her YouTube channel, Kate Nix. She also has personal accounts under Zenitech, which is her name spelled backwards, on Instagram, tic- uh, Twitter, and TikTok. We'd also like to thank Joe Hunter for our art. Joe Hunter is a comic book artist who has done backups for Radiant Black, a story in Headlock Comics Tales from the Road series, and is currently working on Beast Heart Strikers and another series that they're kind of quiet but are kind of hinting about with creator, co-creator and writer Land Pitts. You can support him on Patreon at Joe Hunter and Threadless at joehunter.threadless.com. You can find him also on Twitter, Joe underscore Hunter, and Instagram as Joe Blondie Hunter, and I believe he is Joe Hunter on Blue Sky. We'd also like to thank Kurt Yoder for the editing. Uh, you can find him and his pixel art on Great SG Creations on Etsy and Great SG Pixels on Twitter. He also has a Blue Sky and Twitter account, uh, The Great SG, where you can just check out his ramblings about anime and music. We'd also like to thank our $5 patrons. Uh, Griffman, thank you so much for the support. If you'd like to join Patreon, it is um, as low as $2 a month. We now actually have our Discord channel up. Yay! Yeah, I'm trying to plant some community stuff there if you want to go check us out. As always, uh, it is um, at patreon.com slash rangersplain. Our wrestler of the podcast is another end, um, the Southern Knight, Sir Knight Merrick Donovan. Um, Ashley's a little bit more familiar with his work than I am because she lives near her for his, uh, his more home promotions, including Action Wrestling. You can check that out on IWTV. Uh, you can find him under most social media uh, under Sir Merrick Donovan. All right, now where where can we find our our lovely people, Ashley? Uh, well, you can find me still on well, mostly Blue Sky now. Uh, but you can find me on Blue Sky Twitter. Uh, as well as Instagram under the handle Miss Kitty F. I'm also on TikTok, but I don't use that as much. Same handle. And then you can find my new store. Well, it's the same store, but I just went through a rebrand. So now my shop is now Buffer Time Exchange because I'm apparently a Lower Decks nerd now. I like Star Trek. What the fuck has happened to me? Shut up. Any case. <laughs> In any case, you can find that at Buffer Time Exchange, one word, at, at dot square dot site. You can also go to any of my, my social media profiles and find my link tree, which will take you to anywhere that I have sold my comics as well as the shop. I'm also going to be vending in or in and around Chattanooga throughout uh, September. So if you are in the area, uh, you can find me at the Rabbit Valley Farmer's Market for most Saturdays and the Odd Market on Saturday, September the 9th. All right, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Blue Sky at Velociriker. You can also find my um, crafting store, Coda's Magical Crafts, on Etsy at codasmagicalcrafts.etsy.com. Uh, and also any social media under either Coda's Crafts or Coda's Magical Crafts. I'm also doing some craft fairs in September, mainly uh, September 13th. That is a Wednesday from 630 to 930. I will be at the Garden at Gray Gables in Summerfield, North Carolina, doing their fair there if you want to come see me. As always, you can find us on Rangers Plane on Twitter and Instagram, and now also Blue Sky. Instagram's more of my domain. I'll try to post more. Uh, Twitter and Blue Sky is Ashley's domain. We already talked about our Patreon. As low as two dollars a month, you get to do uh, get to join our Discord. Um, again, we're having some stuff planned. Five dollars and up gets um, a Q and A session with us every 
so Monday or so, trying to get back into that. And then as well as our $15 tier, which is Sticker of the Month Club. We have a lot of sticker ideas we'd like to employ if you would be interested in that. And as always, you can find us on our WordPress at rangersplain.wordpress.com, where you can find all of our show notes and basically anything else. All right, that's it for this month. Next month, we're finding out what's in store for our Dino Knights as we tackle Season 2. As always, stay safe out there. May the power protect you. Go, Ranger.